Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin, just Bushby, and joining me as always are Benno and Jamesy. And a uh, bit, bit longer since our last show, we had a, a bit of a longer break than usual. I think uh, picked a good time to have off since absolutely nothing happened in British <laughs> Wrestling whatsoever. No controversy <laughs> or people being cancelled or anything like that, was there Benno? No, not at all. No, at least you said it's been a... Well, it's been just over two weeks since we did our last show, and it yep. it really do, it really does feel like it's been about six months. Because yeah, the uh, <laughs> sometimes we do these shows, don't we? And there's not much news to talk about. We'll do a couple of uh, show reviews, or there's even weeks where we might struggle with nothing big going on. And yeah, this is definitely not one of those weeks because it all seems to uh, pile up in our absence. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't have a show for a couple of weeks, and then literally all this stuff happens. Because, like, you know, especially earlier in the summer, we were like, oh, yeah, a bit of a, a slow week this week, you know, we might not have much to talk mm. about, and then everything comes at once, doesn't it? Well, I, I suppose, you know, before we get into anything else, we, we'd better get into this story that's sort of been done to death already. I mean, covered extensively two, uh, two cracking Grapple Spotlight podcasts by yourself, Benno, uh, along with J- uh, JP and Joe. And then, obviously, listeners of Post will have already heard uh, Jimmy Corderas talk about this with John and Way, uh, Will Cooling on Pro Wrestling Torch, and, um, and a podcast with the referee right at the centre of it. And, of course, referring to the now infamous incident with Josh Bodum at the Red Pro Summer Sizzler Show. And... I know that it's been covered to death, so obviously, you know, I'm sure many people have heard the story over and over again now. But just just as a final note on the matter, I mean, Jamesy, I mean, lots of different opinions around this. I mean, what was your take when you when you first heard about this and all this stuff coming out on Twitter, like videos and statements from Red Pro and the like? It's It's been very much a, a kind of a a moving thing and it's moved very fast, I suppose. You know what I mean? So you, you kind of, you almost take one stance on it. And then more information emerges and you kind of have to alter your stance a little bit. And then you hear something else and, and your stance alters again. Um, I suppose at, at this point, it's kind of settled down to some extent, I suppose. And, and maybe as much information as, as maybe we're going to get has come out, apart from the VOD actually dropping, which I don't know will ever happen. I, 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 if, mm-hmm. if the Summer Sizzler VOD ever comes out, like if I was Andy Quilden, I would just cut the whole match from it because I, I feel like there's nothing to be gained by the whole thing flaring up again at this stage. You know what I mean? Um, and like, you know, as uh, just to echo what Martin said, like just unbelievably good work by yourself, Benno and JP and Joe on the Grapple podcast, like the way you guys broke it down in a very, I think a very mature and fair and nuanced manner, like is, is probably the best audio I've heard on it so far. And like, it, it's hard to kind of add anything to that I suppose um, I think everyone here agrees that Josh Bodum deserves little or no sympathy I mean you know it, it, that part of it to me is completely cut and dried and I don't think I've heard anybody argue to the contrary what he did was wrong he deserved to be fired and the way he acted when it kind of emerged that he was wrong just confirms that what what Quilden did and in firing him was correct um, I feel like Shah Samuels has been a little bit hard done by in some of the analysis in that people seem to have lumped in what Bodum did and what what Samuels did together almost into one. And I feel like Samuels is totally separate to Bodum. I think what Samuels did was very much him trying to keep the show going, him trying to cover for a mistake and him trying to kind of get some heat back and you know he, he did it in it maybe an old school way and that kind of thing but to my mind I don't think he did an awful lot wrong you know I, I think um, you know and like 
I was thinking about this last night, and as I said, I don't want to retread all the stuff that everybody was saying, but I've kind of come up with a list of questions that I have at this point that, that still haven't been answered, I suppose. Um, first question, what exactly happened for the finish? Because, I mean, people were there in the building, but when you're at a live show and something happens very quickly, it's hard to get a take. So we don't know for sure yet who botched the finish. The referee did apologise, which to my mind, would be him claiming culpability and him being in the wrong. But other people say that it was Bodum should have kicked out. So I don't know about that yet. Um, we're still not 100% sure on what exactly caused the injury. Um, the ref seems to maintain that it was Shah and not Bodum, which is a thing that's been lost over by a lot of people. Like everybody's angry about Bodum and that kind of thing. But the referee, like he, he was on that ACE podcast again the other night and he again seemed to be very much focused on what Shah did rather than what Bodum did. Um, I would like to know the exact nature of his injuries. Like there's been a vague allusion towards neck and back injuries and that kind of thing. But we don't know exactly what kind of injury he's had, you know, and it has to be a pretty severe injury if he's talking along the lines of never refereeing again. Um, I would like if I had been doing a podcast with him, I would have asked the referee, did he have a prior injury going into that match? Because the the body slam that Samuels did, you know, I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a trained wrestler, but it looked to me like he protected the referee the whole way. It was a very gentle worked body slam like he wasn't reckless in doing it he wasn't doing it almost in a way that was trying to hurt the referee as far as I could see and yet he sustained this injury that is apparently going to stop him refereeing ever again so I wonder did he maybe have a prior injury or something like that um it's still very unclear at what point Rev Pro actually became aware of this whole thing because um Andy Quilden kind of went on record saying that the first he had heard of it being a big issue was was when the referee spoke up on Twitter. But on that podcast the other night, the referee said that he twice tried to contact Rev Pro management before taking it to Twitter. And that on the cockpit show, two days after it happened, he had specifically requested not to referee Bodum and, and Samuels match and like to my mind if that's happening then surely management would have some inkling that there was a problem between them there at that point you know so it seems like rev pro haven't been entirely honest and there's a contradiction there between what the rev says and what rev pro say um i didn't like the fact that the ref put up his paypal when he was putting up his version of events i didn't see why that was particularly necessary me being the age i am and from the generation that i am i always kind of I just don't like seeing when people put their PayPal online and that kind of thing or GoFundMes and that kind of thing. Like it just kind of leaves me cold and it immediately kind of just set alarm bells ringing in my in my head. And then he tweeted a few days later and said that he had gotten a new job maybe four days after putting the PayPal up and he thanked everyone and said they were going to buy them a gift. To my mind, if I had him on the podcast, I would have asked about straight, well, why didn't you offer to refund people their money? Now, maybe people wouldn't want their money back, but to my mind, if it was me, I would certainly offer to, to pay people back. So even though we're kind of well over kind of two weeks after the event at this stage, I feel like there's still a lot of unanswered questions and gray areas and that kind of thing. And um, from that point of view, and I don't know if we're ever going to get those answers. I don't know if the VOD is ever going to come out. But um, as I said, rather than me repeating everything that everyone else has said, I suppose they're the things that I'm still unclear on. And like, I try to think that when I'm analyzing something like this, I deal in facts and I try to not let the emotion of the whole thing take me over like it does with some people. And I try and do it in a way that I'm not on Twitter trying to make myself look good by by kind of having a certain stance on it and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, there, yeah, you know, if, if I was ever interviewing the ref, those are the things I'd ask him. They're the things I think still need to be clarified.
Well, you do, yeah. you have raised some, like, obviously good questions there, Jamesy. But for me, the big question is coming out of all this, you know, obviously, you know, obviously feel incredibly bad for the referee with, um, you know, not being able to referee again and, and things like that. But it's, where where did Red Pro go from here? Because obviously there was this huge backlash against them and Josh Bodum and Shaw Samuels on Twitter and Andy Quilden did release a statement. Um, but as soon as the statement came out, Josh Bodum kind of shit all over it by posting <laughs> on his Instagram a, a screenshot of a conversation yep. between him and Andy Quilden with Andy saying that the ref was kicking off on Twitter and he had Bodum's back uh, which made, made the statement seem kind of disingenuous. Uh, and Red Pro have gone on track now with sort of ignoring it all. I, think, I mean, Benno, do you think it'll pay off in the long term, people forgetting how it's all been handled and, and all the controversy around it, you know, when in a couple of months they start presenting big matches with New Japan talent again? Um I think so. I think. I mean, as long as they don't bring uh, Bodum back in like a Mister America role, Mister Bro, or something like that, don't do that. (laughs) But as long as Bodum's truly gone, and yeah, uh, you know, things will, you know, with time, all things can heal. But it is lingering around a little bit, and I think uh, some of it's the unanswered questions that that Jamesy just mentioned. Some of it's the fact that, as you both said, that Summers' Levioti is still not out, uh, and they're going to drop it at some point, and then the conversation's going to be either it's in there and we all talk about it again, or it's not in there and we talk about the fact that it's not in there again. So... (laughs) Repro kind of, yeah, it's their fault for for dragging it out uh, even further. Uh, I think, I mean, I was lucky enough to kind of, as I say lucky, but I was away the weekend this all dropped. So unlike what my normal go-to would be in a Twitter shitstorm like this, I very much stayed out of it. And I'm glad I did, because once I did uh, find myself back on Twitter and got to see a, a bit more of the facts, I think it was probably the better position to be in, because it was, you know, over that weekend, there were people saying things like, you know, nobody should give Andy Quilden money again, no one should watch Rev Pro again, both Shaw Samuels and Josh Bodum should be, you know, blacklisted from wrestling. And as James said there in the uh, the Ace interview that the uh, referee himself Aaron Wilder he kind of said that was his uh, initial reaction um, he seems to have maybe he didn't really outright say it on the interview as James he said he wasn't really pressed on a lot of these issues so he didn't really outright say that he thought Shah and Bowden were with different cases but when the interviewer put it to him he did seem to be uh, nodding in agreement that's the only inkling I can take um, but yeah I think that I think this is something that will you know with time I think I don't think it's going to affect RevPro. There's a lot of other factors, unfortunately, affecting RevPro's business in general. Own effect. It'll it'll definitely affect Josh Bodum. I think the the big difference for me between Bodum and Shaw Samuels is, as James has said, Shaw Samuels tried to. For me, he called the body slam in the heat of the moment, and you know, as the referee Aaron Wild himself said. Not all spots, and I think a big bit of confusion that came out over that weekend. You know, people annoyed that it wasn't a planned move that was planned in the back or agreed ahead of time. Listen, not every spot in a wrestling ring is planned ahead of time. You know, it, it would be, you know, I've refereed matches in the past, certainly not to this level, but when I have, if something went wrong like it did in this match and a referee and a manager or uh, anybody really gets a spot called on the fly on them, a wrestler says, I want to call, I want to do a body slam or picks you up for a body slam and you know how to fall. I don't think it's entirely unreasonable what Shah Samuels did. I think he had 
good reason to do what he did. And I think that's the reason, you know, Shah Samuels is likely going to walk away from this fine. And the difference with Josh Bodham, the idiot and liability as he is, as you mentioned, he threw Rev Pro under the bus. He came out with a whole pack of lies about the fact that, yeah, you know, he was acting in self-defense and the referee tried to take him down. Therefore, he, you know, in self-defense attacked the referee. And then we all saw the video afterwards and there was no self-defense element whatsoever. And it just made it really clear that Josh Bodham's incident was very much an assault, whereas Shah Samuels, you know, I've heard people describe it as that, but I would certainly wouldn't. I'd say it's certainly more grey. So, yeah, as far as long-term kind of uh, issues are going to be for the people involved, I don't see anybody using Bodham going forward. Red Pro were the only company using him anyway, really, of note, and he's burnt that bridge. I think Shah will be fine. And I do think generally Red Pro will be fine. I think the, the statement was pretty good you know it said all the right things about dealing with Bodum and dealing with Shah there are still unanswered questions about the uh the timing of when they knew and what they didn't know and all of that uh side of things that you know even I would question you know acting like uh they weren't aware that this issue would happen when it felt like everyone in the building knew and it felt like yeah you know the as James you said the referee says himself he'd made clear there was an issue even if he didn't entirely verbalize what exactly happened I think those issues are kind of going to hang over Rev Pro a little bit but I do think, yeah, once we get to the, the next big Your Call show and the next big Japan import show, I think it will be largely forgotten. Um, and instead of talking about this, we'll be talking about the all the shitstorm of issues that, that are going on with RevPro right now that are kind of a little bit under the radar because this was such big news. Yeah, because, there's, I mean, obviously we're not going to speculate on here, but I'm sure all three of us have heard various rumors about uh, Josh Bodum over the years. And obviously, you know, there's reasons why no other companies really book him. And, mm. you know, Andy Quilden and Red Pro are giving him chance after chance, and he's just sort of seemingly throwing it back in the face here. So, yeah, I really feel like they, they shouldn't use him again. See, he has really burnt his bridge there, especially by posting that on Instagram, you know. That was a big fuck you to the company, wasn't it? Um <laughs> But I suppose one thing that really jumped out at me when it initially sort of like, when the story initially started coming out was the fact that people pointing out, well, why didn't he see anything that weekend? And it really reminded me a lot of uh, when CM Punk did his, uh, did his thing at Starcast and he was saying about, you know, the, the atmosphere backstage and everyone's, you know, this thing like, or acting like a man, acting like, you know, you've got, everything's got to be okay. And, you know, so it, mm-hmm. it really annoyed me when people were saying, oh, why didn't you say anything? And it's like, you know, it, it, in that environment, you know, it, it might be hard to uh, sort of speak up when, when you're around all these people. So that was something that really struck me out there. Um, but obviously, well, we obviously wish the referee all the best, but, um, any sort of like last, uh, Last thoughts on this, James, before we move on to some more Red Pro news. Just, just one thing that, that struck me, um, seeing the referee on um, on the podcast the other night, and the thing that he, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that he was most adamant about was the issue of consent in wrestling. And like he, he went on a very, very, very long, uninterrupted, nearly 10-minute tirade about the fact that wrestling needs to move into the future and that consent is a very important thing. And I took that as him basically talking about the body slam again, you know, that, that he didn't give his consent for that move to be carried out on him. And like I've been thinking about that a lot since he said it. And like I have always viewed wrestling as not just a match between two workers. To say if you've two, obviously that was a tag match. So four workers in the ring. To my mind, there are actually five workers in that ring. And actually, in any wrestling match, the referee is nearly the most important person. He's the guy that the kind of keeps everything together in the match and that kind of thing. And like 
I understand to some extent that, that that consent wasn't given for that move. But pro wrestling is very much a specific type of situation where you're not in a situation when the lights are on and you're live in front of a crowd. Like there is a thing that things are just called on the fly sometimes. You know what I mean? And I kind of feel that by stepping between the ropes and by being a referee, there is an, almost an implied consent that at some point things may have to be called on the fly, that you will have to get physically involved in the match. He is a trained wrestler. He is trained to take a bump. You know what I mean? So um, I just, that's the thing that I just, I still struggle to get my head around that that, that he's he's hugely like Bodum blatantly beat him up on the outside and yeah. he hasn't once named Josh Bodum or, or, or badmouth Josh Bodum in any way. He still has a, his, has a bee in his bonnet about Shah Samuels more than anything. And I, as I said, like, if you're stepping in the ring, there has to be a trust between people. And like, if you're a referee and you're a wrestler, there has to be a little bit of trust between you that if it comes to it and you have to get the referee physically involved in the match, it's something that has to happen. And as long as you're trained to do that, which he is, like he says on that podcast, that his training involved taking 50 to 100 bumps every time he trained before they ever did anything in the ring. So he knows how to take a bump. Um, and that's just that's just part, the part of it that I just can't get my head around yeah. is, is why he's so angry with Shah when I really, really can't see that Shah did a whole lot wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like there is no there is no situation where you could ever give consent for the unforeseen situation that they were in in that match. Like nobody could ever have predicted that that botch would happen. You know what I mean? And bar everybody sitting around before every match and discussing every single possible eventuality, there's never going to be a situation where you can give your consent for everything. You know what I mean? Mm. So as I said, now I'm not a wrestler or I haven't been trained. I'm just a guy who's watched wrestling for a long time. And that's just my take on it. Um, And like, I understand that he's upset. I understand how, upsetting it must be for him to have gotten the injury but at the same time I don't think blaming Shah Samuels for what happened is is fair in my mind anyway I don't know if you guys agree with that or not or I don't know I was just thinking to counter that point uh this is not from me but I'll I'll be paraphrasing here but when Jimmy Corderas was Mm. on with John and Way he did say you know it, 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 the easiest way to do a referendum is, you know, get in his face and maybe shove him over. He, doesn't, he hasn't got to do, um, mm. you know, a move like a body slam. You know, there's a lot easier ways to do it than that if you do want the ref to get yep. involved and you haven't discussed yeah. it before. I think it's re- that's the thing. I think Jimmy Corderas is, you know, better place than, than any of us to talk about, yeah. you know, something like that. And I hear them say that as well, that maybe that would have been the better call. But again, you know, you're in there, Shah's calling this on the fly. His first thing was to grab the ref. Let's all be honest. I mean, I heard a lot of people say, well, if this happened in an office or any other workplace, it'd be assaults. What's the difference in wrestling? Well, the difference in wrestling is there's a reasonable reason you might pick somebody up for a body slam. And, you know, I, I can't imagine picking someone up for a body slam being a way of assaulting them, and especially the way he put him down. I don't think Shah was thinking of assaulting him. I think he was just thinking on the fly. And, yeah, maybe in hindsight, Shah himself, and he did, you know, in his apology, kind of say he regretted his actions. He might have, you know, just done a straight punch bump or a push bump or or done something else. Um, I mean, and if this injury hadn't happened, this shoulder injury, because, it, it, you know, the body slam did look safe as ours, we not, might not even be having this question. I don't even, I don't even think that shoulder injury 
didn't look likely to be caused by the bow, the assault either. So I do have some questions, you know, like Jamesy does there. But I can understand it if you're in that if you're in Aaron Wilde's position. You know, Shar Samuels puts that mug of the week video out. You know, you're yeah, you are stupid, legitimately yeah. injured, which I believe. You know, it's all going to sting, isn't it? And if he's sitting there, no, and he's not going to be able to. He's being told by doctors he can't referee again. You know, while we we don't know the extent of the injury, if he's being told that, I can understand. You know. Maybe, you know, grudges have been held for, for less. Um, and I can understand them maybe still not being happy with Shah. And, you know, if he wasn't ready for the body slam, if he was up there and just something even even slightly can go wrong in time and it can cause an injury like this. So, yeah, I can see while, while logically we can all look at it and say, you know, that, that I don't think that was entirely un, unfair for Shah to do. I think when there's a, you know, if you are the injured party and there is an emotional element to it, I do kind of get it as well. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair, yeah. I think, uh, like I noted at the start, you know, obviously, you know, two brilliant grapple spot, uh, spotlight podcast uh, that go really in depth on this definitely worth checking out. And obviously, John and Way with Jimmy Carderas and, uh, you know, sometime contributor to the show and friend of the show, Will Cooling on Pro Wrestling Tortured are fantastic. So if, yeah. if you want to go yeah. more in depth, then uh, certainly check mm-hmm. those out because there's a few Definitely. other. Uh, Red Pro news items that um, were sort of like overshadowed by uh, this larger story about Josh Bodum and the referee because um, a promotion that we haven't really covered on here before, uh, Southside Wrestling, they've been running shows with a, a mix of American imports and British talent since around 2011 and have announced their uh, ninth anniversary show on the 26th of October will be their last under the Southside banner and the... the Promoter and his family will be joining Red Pro to work alongside Andy Quilden. And they currently have three more shows after October, which I'd assume will now be Red Pro shows. And, I mean, just a little bit on Southside before we go into their uh, working with Red Pro. I mean, they weren't everyone's favorite promotion. I've been to a few events over the years and always had a good time. Uh, Saw some great matches there. A few between Kayla Ray and Martin Kirby, uh, the first ever Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay match was held in Southside, and then other matches such as uh, Tommy Envy, Chris Hero. So, while not the most talked about promotion, always put on entertaining shows, but back to uh, back to the, the news about it, um, I think this is a bonus for Ed Pro. If Ben Old is going to be hands-on helping run the shows, then it really takes the strain off her. Uh, of what is essentially a one-man operation in many respects for Red Pro, and on top of this, um, you know, you would assume Red Pro will now be running the uh, quote-unquote Southside towns such as Stevenage, Bedford, and Saint Neot. So, <laughs> I mean, these aren't the sexiest of locations, but they've they've been draws for uh, Southside over the years. Always get sellouts in Saint Neots and usually draw around seven hundred in Stevenage. Uh, Red Pro uh, not always had the best of luck running outside London and Portsmouth, and uh, it could be a, a good move for them, Jamesy. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I suppose <clears throat> if it had happened maybe a year ago when things were generally healthier, I, I, I may have kind of been a little bit more positive mm. on it. It seems for it to happen right now when they seem like they're a company that's kind of to my mind, they're struggling almost. You know what I mean? They seem to be at a very low ebb at the moment. And, it, yeah. you know, in, in my mind, their first priority should be like nearly consolidating the territories they do run because, I mean, you know, they run Southampton and like the, the attendances at those Southampton, which, which is literally their local town. Um, Like, you know, Ben Owens is a guy who, who goes to those shows and he comes back from those shows reporting 70, 80 people at the shows and that kind of thing, you know. So mm-hmm. to my mind, you know, the, the first priority for them at the moment would, would be kind of <laughs> building 
their local territories and consolidating where they are. But as you said, Martin, if if the net result of it is that maybe Quilden gets a little bit more help, I think that can be very good because I feel like he's kind of a guy that's that's running everything himself at the moment, and like it's 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 really starting to show that 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 he's struggling. You know what I mean? And as far as I know, he has a young family as well. And like I know myself from personal experience, like when your kids are young and that kind of thing. Your work life almost takes a back seat and and you don't have any near as much time as, as you had before and that kind of thing. Um, and so if he can get some of the people who seem to be doing a very good job in running Southside, if you can get them in to help him out with some of the kind of day to day running of the promotion, that has to be a positive, I think, because I just feel like, you know, with the delays in VOD, with the poor quality of the VOD, with the lack of scouting that's going on at the moment, with the staleness of the roster, with the amount of kind of high profile names that are leaving the company in the next while, they really need maybe just just somebody to come in and freshen things up a little bit and somebody to come in and maybe give a new perspective. Um, I think Ian Hamilton wrote a very good article there lately on backbodydrop.com about the British scene and he kind of talked about how antiquated the business practices of Rev Pro are in terms of, you know, you know, they book people on their shows if they're the people that come and help put the ring up and that kind of thing. And it's a very old school way of kind of putting talent on their shows and wrestling has moved on. And like Rev Pro needs to modernize their approach. And maybe if, you know, somebody new comes in and can help them out from that point of view, it could be just a shot in the arm that the promotion needs at the moment. Yeah, I definitely think the help is uh, the main thing coming from me. Yeah. You know, obviously, they've been running shows for years and years, haven't they, Benno? So, you know, that's the main thing coming out of this story, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think it's, like I said, everything about RevPro right now seems to be overstretched. Too many shows in those small towns that James, you mentioned, where they're not particularly drawing. The VOD's running late. It seems like Andy Quilden's doing the work of 30 men. Uh, you know, things like Chris Roberts leaving, you know, from, I know he was helpful. Uh, he was office uh, at a time in RevPro as well. I think they are struggling. I know they were advertising for jobs quite recently too. Uh, I think this will take a lot of the weight off and it will, like you said, open up you know, a new market. It'll be Rev probably in closer to home for you, Martin, and, you know, closer to home for me as well. And moving further up north gives them more of a presence, has more hands on deck. And it means, you know, if they want to more, run more, I don't know, more often shows in the Manchester area or, or other areas up here, you know, Manchester being a place that they could easily move into, progress does really well. I would imagine, you know, RevPro have only been here, up here a couple of times and they do they do solid, solid business, but if they built it up a little bit better and had some returning feud and re- returning matches and built up a bit of a fan base up here, it could be could be a hotbed for them too. And yeah, having, you know, that, that base further up north and, and more hands on deck could certainly help with that too so yeah this was definitely amongst a couple of weeks of a lot of negative news and obviously it is a negative that we've got another company uh disappearing there's a bit of a silver line in there and a bit of a positive there that it might mean you know that maybe some of the issues that red pro have been having these last few months and years might uh might be uh help soothe it a little bit and speaking of Red Pro shows, they actually announced today that they'll be holding their third annual British J Cup on the 24th of November at York Hall in London. And nothing out of the ordinary there. They usually have a big show towards the end of the year. Over this, we'll be going head to head with Progress running a show across town in Camden. And so it's the first time this has happened with both of them running big shows in direct competition in the capital. Uh, I think it's happened before where there's been a progress show and a cockpit Red Pro show, not a, a big Red Pro show. So, I mean, mm-hmm. 
What do you think here, Benno? Just pure happenstance or promoters caring less and less about running against yeah. each other here? I've got to say, if it was the other way around, we'd all be crying for conspiracy yep. and <laughs> progressor trying to run poor Andy Quilden into the ground and trying to. I mean, obviously not now because Progress can't even sell their own shows out. Never mind, uh, steal a Rev Pro audience, but Rev Pro is struggling too. So I reckon from both sides, I think obviously the Progress date was was booked well ahead of Vance, and you know it was a known date. Rev Pro have booked this relative feels relatively last minute. It just has to be a case where it was the only place available. Not because I'm a uh, white knight and Rev Pro, more because if I'm Rev Pro, I do not do that because you know the they're all you know the last couple of York Hall shows that don't have New Japan talent on have not done hugely well. There's not a huge amount of positivity around Rev Pro right now. Yeah, if, if you want the best possible uh, attendance, there you you don't pull this. You don't pull this business move and put it head to head with with progress. So it's unfortunate, but it might be a a really good, uh, from our point of view, from an analysis point of view, a good temperature check of what attendance the progress do, what attendance the Red Pro do, and we can maybe take stock of who's on what side from a wrestler point of view, and also maybe take stock of the uh, the promotions themselves, just based on this uh, Sunday Night War potentially coming up. Yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, who was first in getting the bookings there with the guys that mm. were pro on progress use, Jamesy. Yeah, like I'd be looking at a guy like Michael Oku, like which show does he end up working? You know what I mean? Because uh, and it it probably would give a good indication of where he sees his future. Like if I suppose if he ends up on the a progress show, you kind of think maybe he has eyes for NXT UK in the future. If he shows up on the Rev Pro show, then maybe he's looking towards Japan and that kind of thing. Um, in terms of the booking of the show. You know, I would like to think it wasn't done in a malicious way. Um, and I hope it's just that on that particular date, Rev Pro would get access to some people who draw a good crowd for them. Like, so like if, if you're Rev Pro and you're told, look, the only Sunday we, New Japan can spare Will Ospreay is so like a Will Ospreay, for example. If that's mm. the only day, you just take the date. Even if you're running against progress, you take that date and you get Will Ospreay on the show and you try your best to, 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 to draw a good crowd with him, you know. Yeah, it does seem that way with them, especially listening to, uh, you know, the now defunct uh, Andy Quilden and Andy Boy Simmons podcast that they were uh, a lot of the times that, you know, not booking shows well in advance based on when they could get talent and when they could get venues. So, yeah, yeah I definitely think it's, it's, it falls into that category. But, I mean, you know, we don't want to turn this into the Red Pro show, so we'll get on to the last, the last news item about them. And, um it wasn't the longest of reigns as Hiroshi Tanahashi held the Red Pro belt for a grand total of 15 days after dropping it to Zack Sabre Jr. at the New Japan show this past week. And Jamesy, I mean, did you expect such a short run from Tanahashi? I mean, realistically, he was never going to be coming over defending it all the time over in the UK, was he? No, but I mean, I I had hoped from Rev Pro's point of view they might have even got one yard call show out of him, or or maybe got maybe got him holding the belt on, on you know defending it on a major pay per view like on on a, on a Wrestle Kingdom or something like that. Like, really, what does this reign? This reign does nothing for Rev Pro. You know, they, they they get to put Tanahashi on the role of champions. I suppose that's that's a nice thing, but that doesn't have any effect on business that doesn't make them any money you know what i mean um basically they must have just done the switch to pop the crowd on the night and that was the that was really the only reason i could think that they did it um and yeah it's 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 it, it, i suppose it, to me it kind of shows again 
the kind of relationship between Rev Pro and New Japan. Like New Japan are very much the big brother, and if they want that title switched on their show, they can kind of have it. And Rev Pro just kind of have to go along with it, even though it doesn't do an awful lot for Rev Pro, you know. And as I said, it it, it meant us having was it the seventh Zack Saber Junior and Tanahashi match of the year, and you know that that that's more than overkill at this stage, I think, you know. So yeah. It's 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 not. I don't think it's a great look for Rev Pro. It really highlights that they're the little brother in this relationship. You know what I mean? And they're kind of almost looks like they're at New Japan's beck and call. You know what I mean? And they kind of New Japan click their fingers and Rev Pro jump. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you feel the same way, Ben or. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked on the last show, didn't we, about how far back you have to go to to find a, a Rev Pro champion that's not a, a New Japan guy. Um, this is the big negative of, of that relationship. I think, obviously, the big positive is they got to have a, a Tanahashi-Zack Sabre match for, for their belt, both in Japan and in the UK, and it was a really well-received match in the UK, and it was a big deal. I think a lot less a lot less people are going to see this, this Japan match, but it does, you know, make clear what the... I don't know what the situation is with this relationship, and like you say, who's the uh, the major player here, and who's very much doing what what Daddy says. And I think it also shows maybe, you know, the this felt like moment bucket, which is something we'll criticise progress for. This felt like a big moment for the mm-hmm. live yeah. for the live crowd there at the copper box, without really a proper long-term plan of what they were going to do. You know, we haven't got the Andy Quilden podcast anymore, as you said, Martin. Maybe we would have heard the podcast where maybe plans changed in those famous Meltzer words. Maybe, you know, they did think they were going to get Tanahashi for a few York Hall dates and then things have gone wrong. Um, but to me, from the outside, it, with, you know, without hearing that, to me, it just sounds like it, it, everything that kind of resembles what Rev Pro is right now. In that they, there is no real long-term plan. They had the big moments. Now the belt's back on Zach, and now it's whatever New Japan fancy doing with the belt on Wrestle Kingdom, which, like we say, might be Zach and Osprey, which would be great. That's what's happening now, and, and there isn't really a, a huge, you know, well thought out, structured plan on the Rev Pro side as to what the, the main story is going to be with their main belt and really what the, the main story is going to be with any of their card right now. Uh, Rev Pro is entirely not, not just the Bodum stuff, it is entirely in disarray to me. They've lost so much of their undercards. The world titles, the British title scene couldn't be weirder right now. It's a really odd time to be Rev Pro and it does, does make me worry for, for their potential future going into 2020 and, uh, and onwards. Yeah, I suppose it's stability what they need, don't they? They need someone with the mm. belt for a, a long while, you know, give another long run to Zach, you know, and, and you know, it's always good having the cachet of, uh, you know, someone defending your belt on Wrestle Kingdom, you know, one of the biggest oh, of shows of the year. But mm-hmm. it's like you say there, when, when you're doing what another company wants you to do with your main belt, you know, you, you're always going to run into problems there, no matter how much they're helping you by giving you the big stars. So I suppose they are yeah. in a, a really weird place with that, aren't they? But, um, I suppose it'll be interesting to see what they do book for Wrestle Kingdom and uh, what's going to come out of this uh, Red Pro uh, Super J Cup show. But, um, I mean, with all that's been happening in Britain over the summer, it's been been a good few episodes since we talked about OTT wrestling over in Ireland. Uh, They had a good debut show in Cork over the summer months, but they were back to their usual home of Dublin on the 7th of September with the Road to 5th Anniversary show. New venue, fair amount of debuts, uh, a big comeback, and the continuation of one of the best stories in European wrestling. James, are you were there live for this one? I mean, before we go into the end of the matches, uh, how was the new venue? OTT really struggled to find suitable venues in their hometown, haven't they? 
Really, really liked it. Yeah, I really liked the venue. Um, it's 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 been a nightmare for them. Like they they lost the Tivoli Theatre, which was their, which was their bread and butter home. It was like Rev Pro's cockpit or Progress's electric ballroom. Um, lost that kind of at the start of this year and have struggled to replace it. They can't find it. like ideally they would like, I think a city centre location. Um, that has a bar that would take maybe five or 600 people. And if they could find somewhere like that, they'd be delighted. And, you know, I don't doubt for a second that they've searched high and low, like that they've, they've done Q and A's online and you, you can feel the frustration almost in the tweets when they've looked at venues and they've not quite been suitable and that kind of thing. Um, this, I really like this new venue. It's, it's basically, it's it's a community centre and it's basically a basketball hall, but, but it's, it's quite compact. Uh, the downside to it is that it's, on the outskirts of the city, like like I drove to the venue and for where I live on the north side of the city, it was a good 20, 25 minute drive um, in, in fairly light traffic to get to it, you know, so it is a little bit out of the way. Um, it is reasonably well served by public transport. Um, but, you know, in terms of the show experience. I thought it was a fantastic venue, you know, um, nice and clean, nice and spacious. Like the, the one thing I didn't like about the Tivoli, good and all, as the Tivoli atmosphere was, like the Tivoli Theatre. I don't know if you guys ever made it to a show there. No. It's an absolute, it's a dump of a venue. Like like the the, the toilets are horrible. It the place it stank. Like it's it's just it's it's a very very old nightclub, and it, it wasn't a particularly pleasant place to be. Good and all, as the atmosphere was in it. You know what I mean. Whereas this was a lovely clean venue, lots of space. Um, the bar moved at a pretty good rate. Um, the atmosphere, like that's the other thing. You're sitting there thinking, will you be able to recreate the Tivoli atmosphere? And like you guys would be able to give a better insight, I suppose, of how it came across on VOD. To me, it felt like number one, the crowd was hot. It felt like that the, the noise, the crowds, it wasn't, it, the venue has quite a high ceiling, but it seemed that, that the, the noise that the crowd was making didn't get lost. It felt to me like there was a nice buzz in the building. It felt like there was a good atmosphere. And there were times during that show where I kind of turned to the person beside me and felt, and said, like, this really feels like the Tivoli, you know what I mean? And I thought we'd kind of lost that magic forever. Like, but they're definitely onto something with this venue. Like, if they could run this place, um, maybe six to eight times a year, keep the stadium shows going, maybe use the basketball arena. Now that they've expanded into Belfast and into Cork as well, like they could be in a really good place come 2020. You know what I mean? In terms of venues, like I think this is as good as an answer to the loss of the Tivoli as, as, as they've come up with so far. Yeah, the atmosphere did really translate to VOD and it did look like a cracking venue. But one thing, just a personal preference from me, and it just reminds me of early 2000s wrestling, is uh, I hate to see basketball hoops, so hopefully they can stick a banner over them. <laughs> Next time. Could you see them on camera, yeah? Yeah, yeah, sadly. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. VOD everything was cracking and, and obviously you being there live, it certainly sounded like a a good venue despite that. And I thought that all over the show was uh, was really good and well worth checking out. I mean, so first match for me that slightly edged the other matches on the card was the uh, six-way tag team match between home country favourites Modern Hype against the trio of OTT debuts, the team of Omari, Michael Oku and Alex Cuervas. I mean, I've got to confess, not really seen much of Alex before, but Oku's obviously having a banner year, and Omari having ditched his as the George Trunks in favour of some <laughs> new tights was every bit the promising star we thought he'd be uh, a couple of years ago. Great match and a perfect example of how to get three guys over on their first night, put them against an established team, and then let everyone get the shit in, and it, it worked a dream. I mean, tons of stuff happening in this match. The result really didn't matter here. Is everyone really shunning this one, I thought, Benno? Yeah, definitely. It was a, 
it was a celebration of a match. It was just really just joyous to watch and enjoyable. Like you mentioned the Mario there, and yeah, it wouldn't be as smart if we didn't mention as a as the George classic shorts that uh, <laughs> that sadly is lost. Uh, that's in dedication to Ollie that one. Uh, but yeah, he was a uh, he's someone who's just disappeared, hasn't he? Like I heard the commentary describe him as a a man making waves in the UK, and I was thinking, is yeah. he? I mean, last place I saw him was Defiant, maybe. Um, I saw him on the t- on the door doing the tickets for Sendai Girls. I mean, he had all the potential in the world, but yeah, he hasn't really. Unfortunately, that that potential hasn't really materialised into anything concrete, really. Ever since he, you know, Fight Club Pro um, put him over and it kind of you know gave him the big tournament win, and then it kind of went downhill from there. And it was funny seeing him teamed up with uh, with Michael Oku, who's kind of like the new you know great hope in Brit Res. Um, but I would say in this match in a way i would say omari looked a bigger star uh, i think maybe the fact that his big moves landed a lot better you know that big stomp in the ropes that he does the big dive he did that got over big as well uh o- oku looked great too but i would say omari was almost the uh, the star of the match for me i kind of i couldn't help but compare and contrast the two and hope that you know michael oku who all the pressure in the world is being put on his shoulders right now to be this great hope of uh, Brit Rez. Let's hope, you know, he doesn't go the, the Omari route and have a quiet next couple of years and it really does materialise for him. Because they both, you know, both look great. But yeah, I would say Omari was the one of the two. But all in all, everybody looked in great in this match, didn't they? All together, it was just, it was one of their matches, those matches where everybody got to do their big spots. Everybody kind of got to have a little bit of shine. And everybody really got to, to show what they could do. Because yeah, it was just a absolutely incredible match. It was a lot of, you know, flying about, a lot of big moves that are often hard to, you know, recap move for move. But I just thought, you know, as a whole, Alex Cuevas is his name, isn't he? He looked great. Uh, tiny, but, you know, moving around, uh, you know, with the with a lot of speed, uh, very, very Yoshino kind of style uh, for Dragon Game fans. I thought he looked incredible. And I did think the more than hype lads looked great as well. Nathan Martin, especially, um, who looked really good, you know, uh, going back and forth um, there with, you know, with big moves and uh, big power, um, as well as, you know, good technique in there with the uh, with maybe the more flyer uh, wrestlers in there too. And yeah, it was one of those matches where, you know, it, it was kind of, you, you blink and you miss a lot of the big spots. But all in all, you know, it, it was it was just a great performance from everybody, and it made it made everybody's stock rise really, and it made it made for Omari, for Oku, especially those two. Um, you, you'd imagine they're going to be in prominent positions, and they are going to be in prominent positions uh, going forward on OTT shows. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, we talked about the atmosphere uh, earlier, James, and this is when it was really, really coming through on on the VOD. Oh yeah, like I mean, this was was a match where where I turned to the people with me and said, "God, this this feels like the Tivoli." You know what I mean? And like, if mm-hmm. if you're running if you're running a new venue, and you kind of want to set a precedent and you want to kind of maybe create a new legacy of a venue, like you know, putting a match like this on is how you do it. You know what I mean? And like, this match will be my abiding memory of the first time we went to this venue for the you know. Um, it was just great, you know, and like you talk about Omari, I was looking at him like, and he's, he's filled out physically. Like I remember him being like, yeah. when he came along first, he was almost, he, he almost looked ludicrous because he was so tall and he was so slim. And it was like, this guy doesn't look like a wrestler, but by God, when you see him in person now, like he is one of the more imposing wrestlers I've seen in a long time in person. You know what I mean? And I, again, I was just turning to people at the show and like the, the, the question on everyone's lips was, why isn't this guy not the biggest star in British wrestling? You know what I mean? In a time when British wrestling is crying out for, 
for new talent and for fresh homegrown talent. You have this guy with the physique he has, with that lovely laid back kind of charisma that he has. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's not a bundle of energy like Oku is or anything like that. Um, that guy should be. And I mean, it may have been something like I, I know somebody said that maybe he he was he was. Um, finishing up his studies in the last few years so he couldn't focus entirely on his wrestling or something like that oh, and that's totally fair if that's the case that's totally fair you know mm. what I mean but like and hopefully it's something like that and not kind of something like a lack of application in the background or something like that because like to me OTT could really steal a march if if they keep booking this guy and get behind him like I, I believe they booked him on the next Belfast show against Scotty Davis Um, I think uh, both he and Oku are going to be on the next stadium show as well so like OTT have always had a tradition of kind of uh, not just producing Irish, but say, say before the Irish talent was coming through, they would bring over kind of guys who were on the rise from the UK. Like we always talk about Pete Dunne, you know, his rise in OTT when he wasn't a big known name in the UK. And like OTT made him a main eventer, like Tyler Bates before he was well known was over here, Ryan Smile and that kind of thing. Um, they always kind of picked out younger talents from the, a guy like a Charlie Sterling who maybe wasn't appreciated in the UK and made him a big part of their shows. And it made OTT unique because they were the only people pushing these guys. And like if they can get behind an Omari and give him a big push or like, like I wouldn't be against and Omari and, and Oku tag team for a little bit of a little bit of time and that kind of thing. Because you, you like my overriding feeling watching this match was, you know, amidst all the negativity we have in the last while about the scene and about the lack of stars, you look at these six and you kind of think, geez, like maybe the future isn't, you know, the future is quite bright. You know what I mean? And surely to God NXT UK can't sign everybody. You know what I mean? But there mm. are stars there and there are people, you know, like this is the future. You know what I mean? And like it reminded me of, of a crazy PWG six man tag or something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah. Like those <laughs> PWG tags they used to have all the time where they'd have some, yeah. like, stuff yeah. the team like the books or whatever and then bring a load yeah. of new guys in and then they'd yeah. instantly be over to the uh, California crowd. Exactly. They've got two new stars now in Omari and Oku and like we've kind of neglected Alex Cuevas like I'd never heard of that guy before um, and I'd certainly never seen him wrestle before and like he made his name. I don't know if, if he's in the UK or has he gone back to Singapore. I, I, if he's ever available to OTT again, get him on the card as well. Like they, they just the, the three guys here, they couldn't have had a better debut in the company really, you know, and it's it's nice to see OTT having options like this now. Like if you think of all the Irish talent Throw Omari in there, throw Oku in there, mixing it up with them. Like that's that's really kind of that's the kind of thing that has me licking my lips for the next twelve months in OTT. If that's the way it's going to be, you know. Well, I mean, uh, we talked about debuts there, and uh, another person making his debut on the show was English vet and uh, the person everyone loves to hate, Paul Robinson, going up against the ace of the company, Jordan Devlin, and. I mean, Rob Binson was in his element here, doing his uh, best Scott Steiner routine around the crowd, getting in everyone's face and really riling the crowd up. Uh, well, good match between the two here. Not either man's best match that we've seen of him all year, but still a solid outing and another great debut here from Robinson, I thought, Benno. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it was my notes on it, too, that, yeah, it was it was a match. It wasn't particularly, you know, one that you'd write home about. There was definitely probably at least three better on the show. But I did like the, I think, the novelty. He said, compare Paul Robinson to Scott Steiner there. Yeah, he is our Scott Steiner, isn't he? But it was like proper Paul Robinson, too, coming out in jeans, coming out to 
to Scroobius Pib of Pip of uh, Moser and Body Guy fame and getting to do the proper Paul <laughs> Robinson thing and do his real entrance and yeah, be an absolute bastard as he was. I loved him uh, going back and forth with the crowd, spitting in drinks and just being a just a nice kind of he was basically heel of the week, wasn't he, for Devlin? Uh, Devlin went over relatively strongly. They gave Robbo a, a couple of big moves and a, a couple of near near falls that you could maybe maybe quote, but all in all it was very much a Devlin match, but still, you know. I think Robinson played his role really well, and he's another person who, yeah, OTT would be daft to not use more of going forward, even if just to uh, inspire more Brexit chance. <laughs> yeah, and to see him... were all over him, weren't they, from yeah. the opening bell here, weren't they, like, making sure he wasn't getting too into the crowd there? Mm. Yeah, like, and I mean, I've been, I've been calling for Robinson to be an OTT for a long time, like, because, like, OTT fans are great in terms of they will boo heels, you know what I mean? And especially like it's almost it's almost easy to book a heel in OTT. You just bring a Brit over and have them be an asshole to the crowd and, and it's, <laughs> it's 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 easy to book, you know what I mean? And, and like it's an awful pity we never got to see Robbo in in the Tivoli because that would have been some sight. Him him inside there just riling everybody up in that white hot atmosphere. Like but yeah, just like I was just great to see him do his thing in person. Great to see him mixing it up with the crowd and that kind of thing. Um and as you guys said like we won't be remembering this match at the end of the year when we're talking about Jordan Devlin's best matches or anything like that but a very solid match between two really good pros and yeah just finally great to see Paul Robinson and like if 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 Zach Gibson ever kind of is no longer able to work indies or is no longer allowed to OTT there's your replacement for him you know what I mean you bring him in and he can be your top kind of your top mm-hmm. British heel say in the company for the future as well you know and, and a guy who's available and a guy who's actually kind of having a bit of a late career, career renaissance like he's suddenly popping up all over the place getting bookings in you see him in Riptide you see him in Progress I saw him on another card I can't remember where else he's been booked lately but great to see I've always been a fan of Robinson and I'm glad to see him kind of rising to the top of the scene as he has been in the last few months Yes, he kind of had a bit of a retirement didn't he and then he sort of went behind the scenes uh, in progress and then sort of made a comeback teaming with um, Osprey again now now he seems to be in more places than ever so yeah like you say James I think certainly that dynamic with being with being British you know certainly works very very well in uh, in OTT. I mean, just before we get into the main event and the uh, build-up for the fifth anniversary show in October, we've got to talk about the match before the main event, which was more of an angle that saw the return of two familiar faces. Firstly, the return of Zach Gibson to Dublin. I mean, it's been a few months since we've seen Liverpool's number one here, and he more than made up for it. I mean, crowd doing every time he put his mic to the lips. Could barely hear what he was what he was saying on the VOD. Let him say something about going to a shop and seeing Irish water for sale and saying you can't bring water. I mean, fantastic. He's always been fantastic. Even in NXT UK, he does a fantastic promo. But here, when he's, you know, free from the shackles of WWE, absolutely brilliant against the Irish fans, um, as he always is, Benno. Definitely, yeah. And you can tell he's a. Uh, he, I think he puts a bit more thought. You know, he knows this OTT crowd's going to be boisterous, and he knows he's going to get the reaction that he's after. And he just, yeah, he goes for the jugular, doesn't he? Um, and gets it in there with lots of digs about Ireland that trying to do an, an impression of Brit Rares and like you said, the uh, the water stuff and the the Irish tea got a giggle out of me yeah. as well. Uh, he's just brilliant, <laughs> isn't he? And it was yeah, again similar to Paul Robertson. It was cool to get him to come out 
I mean, obviously, I'm not a fan of the song, but you know, coming out to his proper theme, you'll never walk alone, uh, rather than the the noise that NXT UK give him, and and be the proper Zach Gibson. Uh, you kind of forget that, yeah, you know, we don't see this side of him so often anymore. But it's uh, it's definitely a blessing that you can uh, you can still see it in OTT with the the magic they seem to work at, uh, still being able to book guys like him. I mean, uh, CT Flexer came out to challenge Gibson as Valkyrie and Debikai to all protested. Um, obviously, quick, easy win for Gibson here, uh, which the Woke Queens were none too impressed with, uh, with Flexer losing here. Um, but he had a surprise up his sleeve announcing the return of Katie Harvey. Uh, this was great, especially watching on the VOD. Harvey was fired up for this one, and the reactions of Valkyrie dropping to the floor in shock and horror were, were really good. Yeah. First class from her, I thought, there. And Harvey said she was back and coming for Valkyrie's title at the fifth anniversary show. Uh, crowd exploded, I thought, uh, for this return here, Jamesy. Uh, like, this was a hell of an angle. Like, you, like, there's been a bit of discussion online this week about, yes, European wrestling is having a lot of problems. A lot of them are caused by NXT UK. But we were also kind of saying that the booking in European wrestling lately has been very, very poor. And like they don't do them, you know, promotions don't do themselves any favors with like things are bad enough with the lack of talent and with NXT UK without terrible booking adding to the problems as well. Like and then you have this, which is like the whole angle was incredible. You, you bring over an NXT UK guy who's a big name. You use him to make a star out of a, out of a guy like CT Flexer, who for years has been a kind of a low down the card act. The pop he got when he came out was incredible. So you, you've made a new star in a guy from the bottom of the card straight away. You turned him a face um, by kind of defying the woke Queens and coming out and doing the match. And then the post match, then you use Flexer to introduce Katie Harvey back into the mix. You know what I mean? So you, you go from an NXT UK guy to you've made a star and you've reintroduced a kind of a veteran who's beloved by the fans. And like the two pops that that angle got, the pop that Flexer got when he came out and the pop that Katie Harvey got. Again, like you're talking Tivoli level crowd reactions there. You know what I mean? So I just thought this whole segment was just a triumph from start to finish, really. You know, and like the hype levels for, you know, based on this angle, you'd be just be so hyped up to see Katie Harvey against Valkyrie at the stadium now. You know what I mean? And if you can't book stars anymore, you know, like you, you're booking a big show in the stadium now and like the big drawing stars maybe aren't available anymore. You know, you, you can't bring in the elite. The New Japan guys seem to be off the table. So what do you do? You you book well, you build good angles and you make people want to come to the show to see the local matches that you're putting on. You know what I mean? And you've got two Irish women's wrestlers in a hot match at the stadium now. And it's all down to good, simple booking. You know what I mean? So just a, a complete triumph from start to finish. Everyone in the angle play their role. As you said, Martin, like Valkyrie collapsing to the ground in shock at, at seeing Katie Harvey come back. You know what I mean? Everyone in that angle played their part and what a good way to use an NXT UK talent to elevate Irish talent like that's like we talk about New Japan constantly beating the locals in the Rev Pro and that kind of thing whereas here yes Gibson won the match but look what you've done like you've elevated the local talent and you've built a match between two Irish wrestlers at the stadium based on him coming over in the first place you know so just brilliant really really good use of a fly-in I think. And, uh, speaking of really good storylines and angles, the main event saw Scotty Davis face off against David Starr for a shot at Devlin's title at the fifth anniversary show. A decent match here. He was given plenty of time. It was a bit of a slow burner, but obviously the main talking point was after Starr beat Davis, uh, 
start really using Devlin's WUK contract against him, claiming that Jordan is no longer the Irish ace and that rather than being the import killer, he's now just the import and that Star himself is the one helping out Irish <laughs> wrestling. Uh, Star's words really worked on the crowd, though. His allegiances seemed really split with certain sections of the crowd, mm. chanting that Devlin was a sellout and others, others still cheering for him. I mean... This story between Star and Devlin has had so many twists and turns uh, since it started way back in February 2018. Uh, I mean, it, it's had in a further dynamic with some of the fans now questioning their hometown babyface here. Uh, seems that OTT have worked magic here with Devlin, Walter and Star and everyone else involved in this in this storyline. It, it, it seems to be nothing short of phenomenal, the, the longevity they've managed to uh, draw out of this storyline, Benno. Oh, definitely. I mean, the big difference here, you know, I'll, ne- I'll never never miss a chance to have a quick dig, but, you know, the difference here between <laughs> Star and Walter in, in progress, you know, progress took a few that already existed and added nothing to it um, and just profited of it. And OTT you know, took a story that already existed with Walter and Star, weaved in Jordan Devlin, added so many layers to it. This is how you you do storytelling with maybe using existing material as your, as your starting point because at this point, yeah, you know, Star and, and Devlin is as, as big a match as anything else in that story. I mean, one, one, point, one point I will take, I mean, I don't know entirely how i feel about devlin getting booed it kind of it makes me sad because like if jordan devlin the irish ace the this hero is now getting booed it makes me think can you actually have a pure baby face in in european or, or independent wrestler a in general champion yeah because always booed. always speaking of progress it always happens there as well doesn't it i mean i know it, that's the thing i'm split on whether you know is that a negative or is it just a really well-told story and I'm quite happy to lean towards really well-told story, depending mm-hmm. on you know what the what the payoff is. Uh, you know, if if whatever they do with this big match, if it does, you know, if we walk out with either mega babyface Devlin or mega babyface Star, and, and Devlin's the heel, maybe that would be a a satisfying end to it. Or maybe we do continue on with these shades of grey. I mean, I like you know I do like you know intelligent storytelling and wrestling, and this is. You know, as late as anything you're going to get from, you know, a, a sport that essentially is just two people punching each other in the head in a ring. Uh, but, you know, I do have maybe some questions about, about that. I, I don't love that, that the devil is now getting booed. But you can't exactly say it's, you know, entirely not by design. Uh, this, the way Star laces his promos, the little digs that he that he puts in there, he's naturally going to get cheered by, by certain elements uh, of the audience. And yeah, even if maybe I'm not 100% on it, it does make things really interesting. And maybe maybe that's the point. You know, I am, you know, maybe more interested uh, than I would be in a match between the two of them again. Um, and, you know, it gives it a very, very unique dynamic. So yeah, maybe it's one of those uh, situations to let this really well-told story so far uh, continue to, to play out as it has been. I mean, James, could you ever imagine that this, they completely flip it on its head and we end up in the National Stadium with Star holding the title off, getting a thunderous reaction while Jordan's sneaking off to the back, getting flipped off by everybody? <laughs> yeah, it's, wow. it's, 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 it's hard to know what way it will finally end up. Like, to go to what you said, Benno, I don't feel like this is the typical crowd rejects babyface champion that we've seen a lot say in progress in WWE like I don't think this is the crowd rejecting Roman Reigns as the champion I feel like it is the crowd reacting to the story as it's unfolding you know what I mean and like mm-hmm. Devlin has done things that could be construed as heelish like he he, he interfered 
and kind of like Starr had beaten Walter for all intents and purposes and he interfered and stopped that from happening and that kind of thing. He had a very heelish demeanour in those matches against the younger Irish wrestlers. So it, it, like, it, it's it's by their design that this is happening rather than something that's happening in spite of the booking. You know, so that's the first thing I would say about it. This isn't progress trying to push a babyface champion and the yes. fans just saying, no way, we're, we're against this. This is fa- This is the fans looking at the overall storyline mm. and and kind of saying, okay, well, maybe David Starr has a point. And Starr is such a compelling speaker. You know what I mean? That when you're in that crowd and we're like, I was cheering for Starr. Like, you know, you know my views on NXT UK. And when you have <laughs> a guy in the ring who's so charismatic and so passionate and he's saying all the things that I say on a podcast to you guys and I say to my friends all the time, you can't help but get swept up in it. But, but what I would also say, and I don't know if it came across on the VOD, what was very important is that they didn't end the show on David Starr's promo, because at that point, I, I feel like very much Starr would have had the crowd behind him in the stadium. Jordan came out and like you talk about a guy cutting a fiery mm. baby face, like that yeah. guy came out spitting fire. You know what I mean? Defended himself, defended the fact that he'd been in OTT every single show, that kind of thing. You know, if you step on my belt, I'll rip your face off. Like and, and he, the feeling behind it, like, you know what I mean? And I do feel he, he won a lot of the crowd back with that as well. You know what I mean? So, you know, and like they're trying to continue a feud and like there is no logic, like Jordan has beaten Star twice in OTT now. So, on the face of it, why would Star get another chance at him? You know what I mean? So maybe they feel that by, by flipping the storyline a little bit, that they can get a third match out of it and that kind of thing. And like, all I know is I'm going to be in that stadium and the atmosphere for that match is going to be electric. You know what I mean? And I think it's going to be a case of people pick their guy and go with him on the night. I don't feel like there's any real need to turn Jordan out and out heel afterwards. I, I think if that match is done and if even if Starr wins and he gets a huge reaction from the fans, I think you can still keep Jordan as a baby face. Like he still is beloved by the crowd. And, and if you take him out of this storyline, I don't think you still get that booing and those heel reactions mm-hmm. to him. I could be wrong now, you know what I mean? But that that's just my sense from he's getting booed in within this storyline. But I think if Jordan kind of continued in the company and started up a feud with somebody else without the title, he probably would still get cheered. You know, like people still respect Jordan Devlin in Ireland. Like people still uh, think the world of him, you know what I mean? And he, he's, he's, I don't feel like this, as I said, the key thing is I don't feel like the crowd is rejecting him. I feel like they're just analyzing the story in their own heads and kind of picking a side and kind of getting swept away almost by the charisma of David Starr at this stage. Yeah, I think the only way you would really push it over the edge if there was a, I mean, there's not really time now, but if there was a few shows that Jordan missed to do sort of like NXT UK commitments and, you know, start. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like you say, that promo from Devlin was fantastic, and obviously he hasn't been missing OTT shows. That's the only thing that would take it over the edge if he had uh, favoured NXT UK over OTT. But, um, I mean, we've talked the main, the main bits from this show. I mean, were there any other highlights from the show for either of you? Um, I, I mean, the Star Davis match itself, I was a big fan of. Uh, I think Scotty Davis is someone who's coming a long way. Um, he's someone who I've kind of enjoyed watching kind of get it right with you know where in being quite slighter bill where 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 should the suplexes be in the match where should that you know those boxing spots he do go in the match and you can kind of see him putting the pieces together and i did think the star match was a good example of that of him maybe you're showing that that he's a very different proposition now towards the end of 2019 as as somebody who could be a real player Uh, i thought that was a really well told 
story of a match and and yet it was a a great spot for him um and a great great way to kind of get him over as maybe not just a a footnote of the story so that was a highlight for me and yeah i know i really enjoyed the giselle shore and valkyrie might have been a match that i could have been tempted to to skip over um on the vod uh but yeah jamesy's a live account of that one kind of taught me around and Mm. i watched that and yeah i really enjoyed that as well probably the most i've ever ever enjoyed giselle shore i thought uh, all of her offense looked great in the match was one minor flub but although she looked good Valkyrie looks great um as the heel in the match it was a very you know basic kind of match but a really well put together match so yeah I think uh thank uh, James's recommendation for that one I think that was a highlight for you as well wasn't it absolutely yeah and like um I would say Valkyrie may be the most improved wrestler in Europe this year like if you're thinking about your most improved ballots at the end of the year like definitely keep her in mind like because she's come an awful long way in the last 12 months like I I had been quite critical of her when she was kind of she was a baby face and she was kind of her wrestling was quite tentative she she, she almost looked nervous you know on the big stage she had a she had a match there in the stadium against um Sammy Jane I think it was last year and, and like it just wasn't great and she it looked like the whole occasion swallowed her up and this heel turn and this pairing with Debbie Keitel in the woke in the woke queens has just completely turned her around like you know what I mean and she's she looks comfortable in the role her wrestling is much more crisp there's a snap to it she did a stint in WXW um earlier in the year and it definitely brought her wrestling on an awful lot so like I suppose like you talk about highlights of the show I just feel like at the moment all the young Irish talent are kind of finding themselves and filing their role. You know, like you have more than hype there who have who have a great spot on the card who you can just bring in and have these incredible tag matches, probably only a matter of time before they win the tag titles. You have the woke queens who feel like a hot act in the women's division. You have, a, you know, a, a young Irish champion in that division who is now putting on good matches with imports. Um, the angle they did with only true pros, Liam Ryle and Michael May, like they, they kind of squashed the Angel Cruisers and then they had um, their manager, Jay, money cut a promo while their music was playing and while there was a beatdown going and that was really really good really different I'd never seen anything like that before mm. and again a nice role for Michael May who's kind of lacking in charisma but is really technically strong pairing him up with somebody who can do the talking for him and a guy like Liam Ryle who maybe his in ring isn't as good so Michael could kind of cover that for him but again has really good charisma and really good size so like that's a trio that I would be watching very closely as well in future so all of a sudden you've got all the locals finding themselves at the same time people you can now put in matches with imports and like they're credible against them they're able to hang with the likes of a Giselle Shaw or a, an Omari or a Michael Oku and that kind of thing so it's looking really really promising at the moment and like my feeling leaving this show just was that barring NXT UK coming in and ruining the whole thing on us like that the future of Irish wrestling really really looks bright at the moment and especially for OTT. Yeah, because obviously all roads lead to the big OTT anniversary show in October, and that looks like it's going to be a, a fantastic show. But um, before we um, head back to the UK, um, some sad OTT news. That, uh, I mean, you mentioned them then, the Angel Cruisers, that uh, a regular for the promotion, Angel Cruisers, had to step away from wrestling due to a serious hand injury. Um, we've had quite a few wrestlers stepping away from this uh, from the ring this year due to injury, and always sad when it happens, Jamesy. Yeah, and especially Angel, like he he is, he's been there pretty much since day one. Like I think I was at maybe the third ever OTT show and I think he made his debut on that show. So I've seen literally his whole career in OTT and like he's one of the most underrated talents I would say OTT have, like incredible charisma, incredible mind for wrestling, incredible innovator. 
one of the genuinely funniest people I've ever seen in wrestling. Um, mm. And like one of the, if you, if you would ask me, what's the greatest OTT match of all time? Like, you know, there's the obvious ones, like all the Devil and Walter stuff, all those, all the matches that have been in that feud are amazing. But if you were to ask me what match sums up the spirit of OTT, maybe more than anything else, it's that match that they had a couple of years ago where it was British Strong, strong Style against the Angel Cruisers, where basically Tyler Bate wrestled on both teams at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, like, and if Angel Cruz has a legacy in OTT, like it's that match because it was his relationship with Tyler Bates that that went back quite a long way before the Angel Cruises were ever a thing. That was the whole basis for that match, and like that's that's his legacy in OTT. That match and all the amazing moments he's given us over the years. And like, mm-hmm. I, I read his statement, and I do feel like he's gone for a while, but I, I really don't think he's gone for good. Like, yeah. you know, the, the statement kind of read like a guy who's maybe a little bit burnt out mentally on wrestling or a little bit emotionally burnt out. Um, and I kind of felt that might have been the way in his wrestling in the last six months, maybe that that little spark and that little bit of innovation had gone a little bit. So, like, if he goes away for six to 12 months, recharges his batteries, I think he alluded to having a hand injury, heals up everything like I feel like he'll be back at some point. I don't think it's kind of goodbye forever by any means. And like the day Angel Cruz walks back into an OTT show like the roof will come off the place you know what I mean and I trust him to do it in a way that will kind of you know we won't expect it to happen like so yeah very very sad that he will be gone but as I said I I don't also feel like we'll never see the guy wrestle again I do think he'll be back and as I said just you know wish him all the best and thanks for all the memories and hopefully see him sooner rather than later. And um, another big news story that happened after our last show was uh, Bree Wrestling having to cancel their show in the Devil's Arse Cave in Castleton. Uh, we had a statement from the company said that they thought they had all their licenses in place, but a last-minute phone call to the council from a mysterious person made them uh, need further permissions, which they couldn't get at such short notice. I mean, this is a massive shame for the company, obviously, who've been building the show all summer. Uh, and the big import for the Cave Show and, and the show they had the night before in Sheffield making his UK debut was Daniel Maccabe, who put on um, a really good match against Carlos Romo. And James, are you caught up with Maccabe to talk his career, his UK debut, and how to pronounce his last name? Yeah, and a great chat. And thanks a million to Dan for taking the time. Like, he was... He was up at the crack of dawn and it was 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning over there when he spoke to me. So, um, yeah, big thanks to him. Uh, like, real made my job easy, like real easy guy to talk to, really personable guy. I, th- I think you had the chance to meet him as well on, on, on the Saturday of that weekend. Um, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in wrestling, you know what I mean? And like, just for me to see him come to the UK, like I've been watching him now for maybe two or three years at this stage. And when you see someone that you know is good enough to be on this stage, make it over to the UK and get the big bookings like he's getting now in WXW and that kind of thing. It's uh, like, it's, 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 it's just nice to see that happening. You know what I mean? And yeah, as I said, had a great chat with him and hopefully he will be back in the UK many more times in the future. I'm joined now on the line by a man who's fresh off his first wrestling weekend in the UK, none other than the wrestling genius, Mr. Daniel McCabe. How are you today, Dan? I'm doing very well. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Very good. The first thing I want to ask you, Dan, is that there's been a bit of a debate amongst me and my friends. Is it Maccabee or Maccabee? Because I've always called Togi Maccabee Maccabee. But then I I hear a lot of US commentators in particular saying Maccabee. So which Uh... do you prefer? So I prefer Maccabe, but I honestly don't know if that's correct or not. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so what, where you're putting the the emphasis on which syllable? Uh, exactly. I can tell you. I can tell you it's not Maccabee, because yes, uh, I've definitely had some uh, some announcers uh, say that, and that is it's 100% incorrect. So yes, it's, uh, it's, that's not, a it's not a Scottish last name; it's a Japanese last name. So. <laughs> are the Maccabees are they a band? We got that right. They're Maccabees uh, or something like that. Maybe I, not. I think so. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah. So, so before we talk about your, your adventure in the UK last weekend, uh, just I suppose if, if there were some ris- listeners out there who, who maybe wouldn't be hugely familiar with yourself as a wrestler, how would you describe Daniel Maccabee, the wrestler? Oh, boy. Um, not typical, I guess. I don't know. Um, very much influenced by um, all kind of forms of uh, technical and mat-based wrestling, whether it's uh, European, Japanese, um, catch, lucha, um, um, wears a football kit um, to show uh, uh, his um, uh, allegiances for various football clubs, also to hide his last uh, less-than-stellar physique. Um what else uh yeah i don't know i'm 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 kind of uh i think i'm a unique um uh, entity when it comes to uh independent wrestling which is kind of something that i'm i'm going for i guess but uh um i don't know if any of that made sense no, 100%, yeah. And I suppose you, you talked about influences there. I am led to believe that you're a big fan of the Destroyer Dick Bayer, isn't that right? The, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dick Bayer, I think, is 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 and was ahead of his time. Um, uh, I consider him my favorite pro wrestler of all time. Um, I have an autographed photo uh, personalized from him up on my wall. Wow. And uh, more importantly, or um, uh, uh, I guess... Uh, in a more uh, stupid manner, um, I have a, a portrait tattoo of of the man himself on uh, my in- inner right bicep, um, which one of my goals in life was to meet him and get him to like see it and and give me a very um, disapproving uh, look or um, <laughs> or like talking to about it. But uh, unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet the man before he passed away. So. Yeah, and if if there's one thing that our younger listeners should take from this is get themselves onto the ditch site. I believe it's still up and running. Look up some destroyer matches and educate yourselves in proper technical wrestling. I think he was the first guy I ever saw maybe do um, you know, all the handwork that 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 nearly everybody seems to do these days in wrestling. I remember seeing him do that. I definitely was the first guy I ever saw do that, and it just blew my mind when I was watching those those matches on the ditch site years ago. There's Amazing probably stuff. a good there's probably a good dozen matches or so on the ditch side of his. There's uh, the matches with Mil Mascaris from 73, 74 and 77 that are all really good. Um he had a couple of really long ones with Baba yeah, that are really yeah. good that you wouldn't necessarily think if you've only seen later life Baba, you wouldn't expect him to be able to have these like good technical matches, but Baba in the 60s and 70s can go still. So um yeah, and then there's just a real a wide array of opponents uh, of his up there. But yes, definitely check out uh, Dick Byer if you're not familiar with his work. Excellent. And I suppose that that kind of brings me nicely onto the next point I was going to make. I kind of, I always 
kind of have an extra affection for, for the wrestlers that I know are, are kind of a bit like us, the fans, like the, the, the wrestlers who are the wrestling nerds. Like, you know, I always love looking at Chris Heroes uh, or I suppose we should call him Cassius Ono now, uh, his, his Twitter feed. And he's constantly talking about obscure lucha and posting GIFs of the stuff he's watching and all that kind of thing. And I feel like you're very much in that vein as well, Dan. Is it fair to say that even though you're a professional wrestler, you're still very much a fan of professional wrestling yourself? Uh, absolutely. Um, I don't do as good of a job keeping up with it as much as, as I'd like to. Um, but when I have the opportunity to, like, um, full disclosure, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. Um, last night, there was a live stream of St. Louis Anarchy, an independent promotion in, in St. Louis, in Missouri, in the United States, uh, live on independent wrestling TV. And I just happened to be home last night and watched the show because... I, you know, I wanted to support, you know, some of my friends and my peers that were on it and I wanted to see them wrestle. <laughs> so, um, but, um, I, I very much came up, uh, in, uh, in the early two thousands, um, kind of crop of, of tape trading mm -hmm. and death Valley driver was a message board I frequented as, as a teenager. Um, and I still have just boxes and boxes of VHS tapes that are taking up space in my, in my, uh, crawl space. Uh, that uh, I, I always meant to get digitized and and there's some stuff that I have that I don't think is online anywhere that oh, wow. but I I'm not the guy to do it I don't know how to I'm not good at technology so but like there's a lot of I've got a lot of 99 2000 2001 battle arts that I've never seen online that that probably Amazing. should get up there but um um Someone else needs to do it because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. There's the constant battle against technology that I have myself. It wasn't it just simpler when it was just cassettes. You put the cassette in, you press play and off you went. Absolutely. <laughs> I, what was I, I, one of my, actually, I only realized the other day, we would have, I, I knew about you before, before I ever knew you were a wrestler because you might remember myself and Alan Forel did a, did a little series there about two or three years ago on his old podcast on the observer um about the world of sport wrestling scene and uh, absolutely I, i've been an observer subscriber for like 15 years too amazing so, and um, the only person who ever gave us feedback on the forum you know the way people put podcasts up and they leave a thread and like we always used to have these lonely threads we would zero replies the only reply we ever got was from a guy called daniel Mac daniel mccabe and i remember it, i remember at the time the name kind of Thinking, God, that's a cool name. That's a very interesting username for someone to have. And it was only about two or three years later that I, I kind of, the penny dropped with me. That was yourself. So thank you for listening, Dan. I'm very, very much appreciative of that, that somebody enjoyed them at least. No, I, I loved it. And and honestly, like it was through that series and it was through that series. And um, it was when Pro Wrestling only did their um, like greatest, uh, greatest wrestler ever a couple of years oh, yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. And um, um Dylan Waco, Dylan Hales, and Chris Zellner did did a, like a eleven hour podcast counting down their like their their like each of their top one hundreds, and Dylan had so many World of Sport guys in his that I'd never heard of, and so it was through like you guys making specific match recommendations and Dylan recommending these guys I'd never heard of like that's how I discovered John Cortez who's like maybe oh, one yeah. of my top three World of Sport guys now. Um, to watch um, because like obviously I was certainly familiar with with um, uh, I mean obviously no everyone knows Johnny Saint and um, uh, and I had seen some um, 
Oh, I'm having a uh, fart on the, on the name. But anyways. Um, no, I, you know, Terry Rudge is another one that, like, everyone, you know, um, Finley and Regal always name drop Terry Rudge, but I never really oh, yeah, yeah. made made a point of watching Terry Rudge. But no, um, Marty Jones. Sorry, that's the name. Oh, I was yeah. Thinking of. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd seen some of his his work, too, right? Like, there's the Owen Owen match. Oh, and there was yeah, that's a, amazing, yeah. Maybe a, a Clive Myers match I had seen, but um, but yeah. Anyways, so no, it was through your guys's podcast series and and Dylan um, going like gung ho on the world of sport guys in his top one hundred list uh, and having Jumbo Saruta in like the sixties. But anyway, that's a whole other. <laughs> oh God, we could. I, do that. That's... I don't need to get into. But <laughs> yes. um, I think he put him at fifty just just to be neutral about it. He said that the best place I can put Jumbo is fifty, <laughs> right down the yeah. middle. Anyways, no, no comment there. But yes, no, I, I, I was a fan of your podcast. So amazing. Well, that's the that means the world to me, and it's a nice little segue, I suppose, to, into talking about your your weekend uh, at Breed Pro Wrestling last weekend in Sheffield. Um, I suppose firstly, like, given that you are a student of the game and a fan of of the British style, going back many, many years, like, what did it mean to you to actually come to the UK for the first time and wrestle? Um, it was. It's something I never really imagined uh, ever ever being a possibility. Um, you know, like the one thing I was really hoping for, and I didn't want to get my hopes up because I, I try to never do that nowadays. Um, and I just constantly get surprised, I guess, because things have seemingly been going pretty well. But um, was I just, uh, it felt like the, the UK crowds were, were more receptive um, and more lively um and just more of a give and take kind of thing you know if you if you mm. show them you know there's certain crowds i work for over here that if you show them effort they you know they reciprocate um but that's not always the case um especially when it comes to like a smaller crowd um so that's you know but that does seem to be the case pretty consistently in the uk so um i'm sure there are exceptions to the rule but um so that's something i was i was very much looking forward to and it just seems like it's kind of funny, you know, as I'm, uh, you know, last year and, and more so this year, I've been gaining more followers and, and getting more exposure and getting my getting my work out there more. It feels like I almost have more followers in the UK and Ireland than I do, in, <laughs> in like certainly in Vancouver, maybe not in Seattle, but like where I actually live, like there's more people who know me over there than they know me here. Right. So it's just based on exposure and and people such as yourself you know championing me uh, more so than maybe other people have um and so i very, very much was looking forward to to wrestling in front of that fan base so absolutely yeah and i mean that the, the match you did have with carlos romo um has gone up on youtube i think breed were, were quite clever in getting it out there as soon as possible to get a bit of buzz around it um i've seen nothing but positive comments on it from people um were you happy with how the match went and how did you find carlos in particular as an opponent yeah, I was I was very happy with how it went. I um um full disclosure like by by the time I got to the venue uh in Sheffield um from the from the moment I left my house to getting to the venue was like 21 hours or something like that. It was and very little like it was, you know, public transit to the airport, you know, airplane to uh, London Gatwick, public transit into the city, car ride up to Sheffield, you know, like, so there was, there wasn't a lot, 
lot of, of breaks or stops in there. Um, and I think I maybe slept for two, two of those 21 hours. God. So, um, when I got there and, and I, I, it took me a second to kind of get, get up and running. I feel like that's kind of been just how I operate uh, as of late in general, but it's, I don't know. There's something about wrestling. It's this weird mistress that, you know, you could be feeling just lousy and um, lacking sleep. And once you just kind of get the, the juices flowing and you, and you kind of get in the ring and you feel, feel it happening. Um, I don't know. It just kind of livens me up and, and I re- I realize, Oh yeah, this is something I, I actually love doing. So, um, so yeah, I, I, um, it, it also helped, I think, that that Breed had a um, they had an afternoon show that day that I was able to just kind of take in and watch as a fan, and um, and that kind of set set the tone for for what was I in, I was in store for, um, and it was uh, I was honestly great. It was a amazing environment, one of one of the best I've ever wrestled in front of. So, yeah, and like watching back on the video, it, it felt like it was a, a crowd who knew you like i mean it it you know you, you see crowds sometimes and like i see it all all the time in ott maybe where a new guy comes in and it takes a while for the crowd to kind of get the wrestler or get to know who they are like you wouldn't hear chanting maybe straight away but it seemed to me that 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 there was a large proportion of that crowd knew who you were knew your stuff and was behind you pretty much from the start in that match i think I have to, I mean, I have to give all the props to Breed because they've done a really good job of publicizing me, you know, like it's very much like akin to what you would have back in like the old territory days where, you know, someone new would be coming to town and Mm. maybe you'd get some, you know, depending on what kind of era we're talking about, maybe you'd get some footage from his previous territory to, to hype up his, his arrival in your territory, right? But or maybe it would just be through promos or, or you know, which the equivalent nowadays would be Twitter posts, right? Yeah. But yeah. I feel like, you know, Bree did a really fantastic job of, of hyping up my appearance that uh, I you know, I had people who told me that they watched some of my footage and and cited specific matches that they watched. I had some people tell me that they had heard a lot of the hype, but they had they had specifically not watched any of my footage because they just wanted to, to experience it live for the first time. But, um, but I, I think honestly, like breed did, I, I have to give hats off to them one for bringing me over. Um, but two for, for doing a tremendous job of, of, you know, making their fan base kind of aware, like, Hey, this guy is, we think this guy is special and we hope that you think this guy is special, but you definitely should check him out and, and be prepared for what you're going to get. And, um, and yeah, I think Carlos and I, um, I mean, the people in that building, they they were definitely entertained and they were, you know, they, uh, I think they kind of helped carry the hype over to um, when when the video went live online a couple days later. Um, and, and you're quite right in saying that uh, it's been nothing but positive feedback so far. So, uh, and like a ton of views, like over a thousand views within like a span of a day or two, which is crazy for you know a small independent group in sheffield with a small independent wrestler from western canada and then won the matches so yeah no i uh nothing but positive things to say about all of that for sure yeah and i suppose that the unfortunate thing about that weekend was initially you were slated to have a second match that weekend on the sunday against michael way michael may on the star cave show in a very unique setting in a cave um i think we all know the story at this stage that unfortunately the show was cancelled at very short notice um and i think a lot of people like 
from what I can see online, people have a ton of sympathy for Breed. You know, like often when it, when a show is cancelled at short notice, you get people being angry about that and, and kind of, you know, lashing out at the promotion. I didn't see an awful lot of that with this show. And I suppose what I'd be really interested in hearing is a wrestler's perspective on what it's like to have a big show and a big opportunity like that cancelled at the last minute. Like, like I know what it's like as a fan maybe to have a match I really wanted to see cancelled or a show cancelled. You hear from promotions what it's like from their side, but you often don't hear from wrestlers. Like, like that was a huge, like you had, as you said, you travelled for 21 hours, you expected to have two matches and at the last minute kind of you, you're denied one of them. So what's that like? And how is, that must be very difficult to take, I think, is it? Um, it, It's certainly frustrating. Um, and the Michael May match was one I was very much looking forward to as well. I think we our styles would have mixed up e- even better oh, than, yeah. than than me and Romo would have um, or did. Um, and and obviously, you know, I told you know so many people like, hey, I'm going to Sheffield to wrestle in a cave. Even my boss, when I told them, oh, you know, one <laughs> of my one of my um, gigs this weekend got canceled, and he went, oh, not the cave. And I went, oh no, it was it was the cave. Unfortunately, he was qu- he was quite disappointed for me. So. Um, so it's disappointment. The one thing where I may differ from my perspective from a lot of people, um, is that this isn't my job. Um, and maybe one day, maybe one day it will be, um, but, but certainly not for the foreseeable future. Um, and so, whereas, you know, I might have a lot of personal, um, disappointment because, you know, I'm, I'm losing out on an experience. I'm losing out on a little bit more exposure. I'm losing out on the ability to wrestle someone who I very much want to wrestle. Um, but it's not really making, uh, you know, yes, it's making a difference to my bottom, bottom line. I'm not going to be, you know, necessarily get that, that, uh, money that I, I was supposed to get, but, you know, I, I don't necessarily count on that as much as someone who's, you know, really struggling and grinding and trying to make make it as a career professional wrestler. And so I can only imagine what their level of, of disappointment is or, or, you know, or frustration or, or whatever. Right. You know, because it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be more than mine exponentially, I, I imagine. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. It's, it's a. It's, I was just saying it's, it's a healthy perspective to have on things, you know. And I have heard you say in the past that um, it, it's you're in wrestling more than anything, as it gives you a platform to express yourself rather than a financial thing. That it's 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 the art of pro wrestling and kind of getting your vision of wrestling across is is the number one thing to you. Yes, absolutely. I I I never in a million years did I uh, expect to ever be able to make a, a living as a professional wrestler? Um, uh, I'm not young anymore and I, I don't really um, have the ability to make the sacrifices um, that certain people do do make. And I applaud them for, for doing that to follow their dreams. Um, but, um, you know, I never thought I would leave the Northwest, let alone, um, you know, travel across the Atlantic you know, uh, multiple times in, in, you know, this, this upcoming year as well. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the fact that I guess the, the goals keep changing, but, um, but, but still the, the kind of root of the goal is, is being able to, I mean, this, this sounds pretty dumb in, in how I'm just going to simplify it, but, but do, do cool art is, is kind of, kind of the the gist of it. I, I want to be able to look back on things and be proud of what I accomplished and and specifically within the matches themselves and and produce 
um, you know, um, wrestling matches that that I am proud of and that people will will be able to watch and, and think, hey, that that was very you know that was cool. That's something I maybe have never seen before. I may and maybe introduce people to just whole other styles of wrestling altogether. Amazing, yeah, and and like yeah, and and to me that that shows in your wrestling. You know, like, uh, like you you do things that no one else really does in wrestling. You you I think you you think more deeply about your wrestling maybe than than a lot of wrestlers. Like I I, I put a tweet out there a few days ago about how I come to expect in your matches that at some point there'll be a little bit of nerdy limb selling or a little bit of um just things you don't see other guys doing like that 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 shows that you're thinking very deeply about your wrestling and you care about about putting out a certain standard of wrestling that that you don't see from a lot of other people like and for me that that's that's why I love watching your matches so much and that's why I constantly go on Twitter and talk about your matches and try and get your name out there as much as I can because I I really appreciate that and respect that in your wrestling you know uh, I, I mean, I certainly appreciate it. That's, uh, it's funny because I sometimes I, I I have this weird internal struggle where I, I kind of almost pump up my own tires and and say, um, yeah, I'm I'm the only one who's really thinking about this kind of stuff, and I'm the only one who's who's doing these kind of things, and this is why I stand out. Um, and, and then when I'm kind of around people in locker rooms, I, I sort of notice, you know, people think, you know, not everyone in a locker room, but you know, most wrestlers do think about you know some detail and some nuance when it comes to their their matches it's just it's not the same kind of detail and nuance right you know okay maybe yeah, they're more yeah. maybe they're more concerned about you know um the the storytelling when it comes to you know the 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 story arc of a series of matches with an opponent or or getting over the psychology of a, a particular move or, or whatever right but they're not necessarily thinking about you know, selling a specific, um, you know, like joint or, yeah. you know, yeah. like, or, you, yeah. you know, or, you know, I, I'm more about the real fine detail and when it comes to within the context of technical wrestling. And so I think that's why it maybe stands out a little bit more because not everyone necessarily does that. And, and it's just we're as a breed in general, um, pun not intended, um, <laughs> You know, technical wrestlers. That there's less of us out there than than there are kind of the more your what you would call your more standard. I, I don't know what the standard style of wrestling, what what you'd refer to it as, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I, listen, I, I could spend the next hour going down a rabbit hole talking about this stuff with you, but I, I I've promised my co-host that I that I won't go on too long with this interview. So I'm just going to move things on to um. You mentioned crossing the Atlantic again uh, during the year and in three weeks time which I can't believe it's coming so soon you're in Germany it's so coming so quick you're in Germany for WXW for the Tag Festival weekend um, on the Thursday you're wrestling on the Inner Circle show against Alexander James and then on the Sunday morning you're wrestling in the Ambition Tournament and like I can only imagine Dan that, that being in Ambition is is must be something that was on your bucket list as, as a guy who must have watched these tournaments in the past and appreciated the style that, that they're fought in yeah, I, I mean, ambition is is a dream come true for sure. I I've always loved watching those shows. Uh, I love you know most of my favorite wrestlers um, uh, in independent wrestling are people who have competed in ambition, uh, you know, previously or or recently, um, and uh, and some of my favorite opponents that I've that I've had chance to wrestle have have wrestled you know in ambition or or for WXW in general. So it's it's a an absolute honor. 
Um, I was happy to be able to do it uh, in Toronto this past August for the yeah. first ever Ambition Overseas. Um, I hope they uh, plan on doing that again in the future. If, if there are future shows, uh, you know, WrestleMania weekend or whatever, I'd love to be a part of those as well. Um, but being able to do it in Germany is is crazy. It's a dream come true. Yeah. Um, Inner Circle on, on Thursday, October 3rd against Alexander James and then Ambition Wildcard Edition on uh, Sunday afternoon, October 6th. Uh, at, I guess it's at the Turban Hall in, in Oberhausen, which that's like kind of like a mecca for for independent venues nowadays like it's just i somewhere i've watched lots of wrestling from over the past years actually getting to wrestle there is going to be uh amazing so yeah it's a, it's a very special place like i like my first time going to wxw in person was 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 carrot last year for 2017 and like you definitely feel something when you step inside that place for the first time and when when you hear the first roar as a, as a wrestler comes out like from that crowd the, the way that it's a perfect building for wrestling like this it somehow manages to have feel big and yet feel small at the same time so like i'm standing there as a fan getting quite almost emotional about this feeling of the crowd so i can only imagine what it's going to be like as a wrestler to step out into into that same arena you know so um i'll be there for sure for that weekend and really looking forward to seeing you in that just looking at the field is there is there, is there anyone on the card you really really would like to face like i'm looking at a scott scotty davis there from ireland and really thinking you and him could have a really really good match uh, uh yeah i i'd love to wrestle scotty davis i'm, I'm a big fan of his work um dominic greeny is obviously oh, someone yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with who um i consider uh, a friend at this point um and unfortunately we were supposed to wrestle uh this past august uh at sup in in nashville um but i i had uh, some stemming issues that led me to not be able to do the match um, i'd love to it, it'd be wild to get to wrestle you know two guys who are coming the furthest wrestling each other uh, <laughs> in, in Germany would be cool. Um, James Runyon is someone who I was not really familiar with, but he's also Canadian. And so that's kind of an intriguing match to me, mm. you know, battle of Western Canada versus more Eastern Canada uh, would be kind of a neat uh, thing to do again in Germany. Cause why not? So, um, but honestly, anyone in the field would be, uh, would be great. And, uh, and something I'd very much relish and, uh, and hopefully, I do well and I get to take on all of them or exactly. I don't know. And, and I, I was just thinking the other day, like if you do happen to make the final, you do realize you're going to have to follow Tim Thatcher against Oni Larkin. Oh, don't, <laughs> so don't. look with that if you make the final. <laughs> I, I, I think I tweeted something about, or maybe I didn't tweet about it actually, but I definitely have said it privately to a few people. Like anytime when that match got announced, I had multiple people saying, oh, I can't believe you're going to get to see this live. I said, I might have to follow this live. <laughs> but so, look, even yeah, yeah like that, that match will be amazing. I hope I don't have to follow it. And at the same time, I hope I do get to follow yeah, it. So. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, really? Yeah. So I suppose just to finish up, Dan, um, I, I can't have you on here without giving you a chance to talk up your local promotion in Seattle, 321 Battle. Um, I, I've, I've managed to see quite a few shows from 321 Battle over the last few years, really kind of in searching out your matches. Um, I, I would say for people who don't know them, like I would say one of the best crowds that I've ever seen in independent wrestling in America, like a very genuine crowd, a crowd that isn't there to get themselves over or that kind of thing. They react. They treat everyone like superstars from the referees to, to the guy is low down in the cards here to, to a guy like yourself. Um, so yeah, if you want to just briefly tell people about three, two, one battle, where to find them. 
Absolutely. Um, because, uh, I mean, here's the thing. W without 3-2-1 battle, um, none of this is possible. And so they've they've given me a platform. And admittedly, you know, I've, I have done well when given that platform. But um, so, you know, the work has been put in, but they're the ones who kind of set the table for me. And so uh, I, I always, uh, whenever possible, want to give back to them. So 3-2-1 um, battle is a independent professional wrestling promotion based in seattle washington they run shows every other friday night from the same venue in um south lake union it's a neighborhood um just kind of adjacent to downtown seattle it's just off of a very accessible off of the freeway if you're coming in from out of town um 9 p.m's every other friday night the same venue they pack 200 ish people in there um it's it's actually a local um, like gym that does martial arts and wrestling and fitness classes, but they convert it to a venue with full bar and, and everything, um, and and it's honestly one of the most amazing environments I've ever had you know the chance to be a part of, and, and thankfully I get to do it on the regular basis. Um, we we have what you would call traditional wrestling fans, but they also have traditional they have I guess not so traditional I should say. 3-2-1 battle fans. These are people who weren't even going to wrestling shows before 3-2-1 battle became a part of their life. But it, but this has become their life. And, and they are at almost every show. Or some people come to every show. Which is quite... You know, it's one thing for me to be at every show. But for a specific fans to come, you know, 26 times a year. That's how many times we run that event. Actually, I should say 27 times a year. Um, in the same venue. And, and drawing a same, you know, similar raucous crowd is is really something special to me um you can watch the shows uh, live streaming on twitch it's twitch.tv slash 321 battle um they do go up for auto archive shortly thereafter uh live streams are at 9 p.m pacific so anyone listening uh uh in europe the shows start around uh, i guess 5 a.m greenwich mean which is uh, a little early, but I know Jamesy has woken up early to catch some main events live. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because I've definitely like gotten out of the ring and have had DMs from you. So, <laughs> um, so it, you know, it's ve it's very watchable. It's it's um, it's a good kind of mixed bag. You get the technical wrestling that that someone like I would provide, uh, and when we bring in someone like a Tim Thatcher or a Jonathan Gresham. Um, but then you also get some of the more character based and some, you know, there's comedy and there's, um, over the top characters and there's, uh, you know, there's some real crazy, you know, there's some hardcore matches. It, it, it's a real mixed bag. It's, it's a variety show like, uh, wrestling should be. And, and some, most people like their wrestling to be, you know, a little bit of everything for everybody. Right. So, um, it's a fun environment. If you're ever in the Northwest, um, uh, I highly recommend checking out a show live, but um, I do think, like like James has said, um, the um, the just the fan base really comes across well on video, and um, and the shows you know usually run two and a half hours. They're they're pretty easy shows to watch, and and I would recommend if you want to see me in my uh, in my true environment, how I kind of came up, um, uh, you know, by all means, please check check me out there at three two one battle. Uh, at three to one battle on the various social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. So, absolutely, like, and I suppose, like, from from watching three to one battle, I I would have seen guys like um, 
like Artemis Spencer. I was exposed to Artemis Spencer for the first time, uh, wrestling yourself in three, two, one battle. Alex Zane, guys like this, you know, who who are who have now kind of exploded on the independent scene in the last year, you know. So it's the kind of thing where it, I always compare discovering you, Dan, and then discovering three, two, one battle. I suppose as a result of that, to a few years ago when we all kind of watched um, CWF Mid Atlantic. And yep. kind of we were we were seeking out Trevor Lee matches, and then we stayed for the great commentary, and we stayed for the other great matches that were going on in the promotion. You know, and I love nothing more in wrestling than finding somewhere new. You know what I mean? And discovering a new wrestler, delving more into the promotion, and realizing there's a whole scene there of these wrestlers we don't know about, who hopefully, like yourself, will become big names in the years to come as well. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's a pretty. Um decent comparison it, there's there's a lot there it's not it's not just me um there's a real um you know a, pre a pretty deep talent pool of people who are just trying to to break out you know the one thing with the geography kind of works against our favor um up here in the northwest of of uh, of canada and and america and that a lot of our wrestlers don't get out of this area um because we're so far removed from the rest of the country um but you know by all means please please check out the show and and support um someone you maybe never heard of and, and wouldn't otherwise have uh, taken taken a chance on so brilliant listen dan I, I could stay on the phone to you for the next two hours talking just talking technical wrestling and talking about the destroyer and talking about your influences and everything like that but i can't um, i can't imagine your co your co-host would be very happy with you, so. <laughs> probably not and you wouldn't be very happy you want to get on with your saturday and enjoy yourself so just in conclusion thank you so much dan for taking the time to to, to talk to me today you know it, it's a real pleasure and an honor for me to kind of finally get to talk to you um as i said it's been one of the most enjoyable things for me as a wrestling fan for the last few years was initially to discovering you um, and just seeing everyone else slowly discover you and and watching your rise in in, in, in wrestling in the last few years. Um, can't wait to see you wrestle in Germany. Can't wait to meet you. Um, yeah, just thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Honestly, I mean, the, the thanks are all, all for you because you you have been one of my greatest champions and, uh, and without uh, people such as yourself or... Um, uh, you know Timothy from uh, This Week in Wrestling, or um, Brock and Quinton, and and various people on Twitter, uh, constantly you know um, you know publicizing my work. Uh, none of this is ha is possible, you know. Um, and so, yeah, this is we're all in in this ride together, you know. Um, I'm very much I very much am just a, a regular guy, and and the fact that I'm wrestling in Germany in three weeks is still hasn't really clicked in my brain <laughs> that that's happening, but. But that's crazy to me. And so, um, you know, I certainly appreciate all the support uh, of of any and all fans. And uh, I can't wait to uh, to get over there and and get to wrestle in front of all you guys. So absolutely. And just finally, if you have any social media you'd like to promote there before we finish up. Uh, yeah. If you don't already follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Daniel Makabe, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-A-K-A-B-E. Not sure how to pronounce the last name, but it's not <laughs> Mac B as we've already established. And uh, and yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, follow me if you want me to see me uh, put over various bands that Jamesy's not familiar with and <laughs> um, and publicize upcoming dates that I have. And that's kind of the gist of it. Super. Listen, thanks again, Dan, for your time. Thanks a million. Thank you. So thanks again to uh, Daniel for joining us on the show there. And 
As he noted there, uh, he did get to have one match in the UK as Breed had a show scheduled at the Hex nightclub against uh, Carlos Romo. Uh, got to say, I'd seen little of Macabe before this show, and watching this live, I've got to say, uh, not the usual, not usually the biggest fan of Matt-based wrestling, but I thoroughly enjoyed this match. Thought Romo uh, more than lived up to his end of the bargain, and was great to see Macabe have a successful debut here despite having to miss the cave show uh benno did you manage to catch this one as uh breed dropped it on their uh youtube for free i did and you know i know they're moving away from the youtube model and they have the unveiled because it's a subscription service on vimeo going forward but i did like that they did that maybe they should even if that's what they're going to do going forward they should put you know big matches like this on youtube as a young promotion trying to get the word out uh yeah macabre someone who i've heard uh, you know uh, uh, jamesy rave about and you know had a bit of buzz for and he looked in this match looks so emotional just coming out in the first place uh just to just to just to be there and to be doing a match you know in england seemed like it meant the absolute well to him and it, it sounded like he did from that interview too so yeah it was worth a watch just from that point of view i think it wasn't you know on that the high end of of his matches for me uh, i like carlos romo uh, i do think he's got a, a bit of a way to go and you know uh, technically he kept up with him for the most part, but, you know, there, it maybe isn't entirely, you know, suited to... I know he does do that a lot, but it's not entirely suited to maybe the best Carlos Romo that, that you often see, uh, which is maybe with a, a little bit more all flying sprinkled in. But I certainly enjoyed it as a match, and I could definitely see why, yeah, the people who were live there, like yourself, Martin, were, were raving about it as a match. Perhaps for me on the VOD watching it removed, I wasn't as, as much into it um, as some of the live reports said, but still very enjoyed. And a, and a different kind of match, you know, something that, you know, a style of wrestling that obviously James is a, is a huge fan of and, you know, a style of wrestling that you don't always see in our prestige indies. So if it does, you know, sound like, you know, a, a very technical match does sound like your cup of tea, I'd certainly uh, encourage people to, to check it out on YouTube. Well, obviously, nobody's championed him like you, uh, Jamesy. I mean, what did you make of his uh, UK debut? Oh, yeah, really, really good match. Like, um as you said, Benno, I, I would say he has had better matches, but I think for maybe people watching him for the first time, it was a very nice introduction to who he is and what he's about. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I would say the last minute of that match is 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 why I think so highly of him. You know, um, like the, the reason I like him so much is he is fine details in his wrestling, you know, and, and little bits of selling and we talked about it in the interview, like showing that he really thinks deeply about wrestling, you know what I mean? And doing little bits of selling that, that maybe you just don't see other people even thinking of doing, you know what I mean? Like in the last minute of that match, Romo kind of um, attacks his arm a little bit. And then when Maccabee is trying to put the cattle mutilation on, because his arm is injured, he, he can't clasp his hands together and, and close the move on fully. And then he starts to hit elbows on Romo but he, he's using the injured hand and you see him shaking out the hand and then starting to use his other hand, his weaker hand to hit the elbows instead. You know what I mean? And that to me in a nutshell is why he's so great. You know, those little things you see in his matches, you know what I mean? And like, it, it's an awful pity that the match with Michael May didn't happen. Uh, the, the match that was slated to happen at the cave, because if, you, if like, you talk about maybe Romo being a slightly awkward matchup for him, like him and Michael May putting on a technical masterpiece would have been incredible. You know what I mean? And fingers crossed we get to see that match down the line, you know, because, um, yeah. So, as I said, really good match. Um, a nice introduction to him and hopefully not his last match. In the, I, I don't think so. I, I do believe like Breed are kind of hinting online there today about bringing him back maybe early next year, which would be brilliant. So, yeah, 
as I said, nice intro to him and definitely, you know, give it a watch and give it a look and kind of support Breed because I do feel very sorry for them as well in terms of what happened with the cave. You know, like um, as we kind of talked about on the podcast, usually when this kind of thing happens, people kind of get angry with the promotion and that kind of thing. But if it was a case of somebody kind of with, with malicious intent ringing up the council and kind of reporting them with a hope of stopping the show. Like that's the kind of bullshit and nonsense that British wrestling in the current climate, when things are really difficult for promotions, that's the kind of crap that, that we don't want to see coming back into British wrestling. Like we did kind of think that that had been eradicated, like that kind of stuff that happened a lot in the mid two thousands when we were kind of watching shows and that kind of thing, guys, we, we kind of thought those days were over and I really would hate for that kind of thing to become commonplace because like there's enough problems already as it is without that kind of stuff happening again, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we can get more into that. Uh, Brit wrestling items later on in the show in our news items. But, um, I mean, obviously I went to this show live. I won't go into each match in depth, but I had a, a great time. Uh, the Hex nightclub has a underground charm to it, despite having the worst toilets in British wrestling. <laughs> that is wow. Um, Sarah Lowden, it you takes face. a lot. You are sorry. <laughs> it takes a lot to do that. I've been in some horrible grotty toilets. If they if they beat Fight Club Pro, they've done well. Yeah, Fight Club <laughs> Pro, and I imagine they beat the Tivoli to what uh, James was saying earlier. There, <laughs> but, yeah. despite uh, there being a frame picture of uh, I think the Ogdens uh, with uh, Gabriel Kidd being put in there, which was the most random. Thing ever <laughs> ever seen in Great band than the Ogdens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic band. Yeah. <laughs> Recommend their new album. But, um, I mean, I saw a load of new faces on this show. Uh, really impressed with uh, Luke Jacobs and uh, Jay Joshua who face off against each other. Uh, Jacobs has been getting a lot of praise recently and he, he's very reminiscent of a young Daniel Bryan. And uh, elsewhere on the show, we had Alex Michaels who was accompanied uh, to the ring by his valet slash girlfriend, Kaylee Ann Scott, who... Spends the whole of the match telling him to hurry up as she's got a night out planned with her mates. Even getting on the phone at one point to tell her girlfriends that Aunt Furious and the Ogden boys were average at best, which uh, got a big got a big <laughs> chuckle out of me. I mean, I mean, your mileage is going to vary on this sort of gimmick, but I thought it was very yeah. funny and uh, something very different. And uh, and then just last last note on the show, uh, Big Guns Joe, who's a northern favourite, won the main event, much to the light of the crowd. Uh, I mean, there was a modest amount of people there, but they made a lot of noise. I mean, all in all, a good night out, and I like that Breed are doing the grassroots promotion, trying different things, such as shows in the cave that's been rescheduled to the 12th of October. And you have a whole host of entertaining wrestlers that you aren't going to see everywhere, but like uh, we've already talked about, definitely check out Macabre v. Romo, because obviously that's free on the YouTube. But... um, you mentioned him a few times there, one of the Ogden boys, uh, Andrew Ogden, who's back with his bi-monthly segment entitled Going Undergraps. Uh, slightly different to his usual format this week, because he's, as well as talking about the Breed show that he was at, he's, uh, he headed down to London to see the big progress show at Alexander Palace, so he's just giving us a full rundown on that. Hello everyone, and welcome to Going Undergraps. Uh, this time, looking back at some of the goings on in the underground scene, and also Progress Wrestling's um, big two shows in Camden and Alexandra Palace. Now, first off, let's get into what's been going down at Breed Wrestling. Now, they were supposed to have their big cave show, but unfortunately, due to uh, circumstances beyond their control, that was cancelled. So instead. 
they ran a show on the uh, Saturday night before, which was uh, scheduled as planned uh, at the Hex Arena, where the uh, big news coming out of that show was the uh, win by Big Joe, who's a bit of a, well, I would say a comedy type figure on the uh, on the scene, but he's turning into the more like uh, serious wrestler um, as he beats. Gene Money in a qualifier earlier earlier in the evening, and then in the main event, which was um, a five way match, he defeated Will Cruz um, finally, and to get a chance at a match in the uh, rearranged cave date. And you'll see online on Breed's uh, Twitter, like some of the celebrations when Mister Joe won. My God, I was out of breath from running. Uh, also on these shows, um, there was uh, Daniel Maccabee versus Carlos Romo match that's been getting some hype on online. And Breed have actually put the match up for, for free on YouTube. So go and give that a look. Possibly uh, one of Carlos Romo, Carlos Romo's best matches. And also Daniel, Daniel Maccabee, who's uh, one to look out for on the uh, international scene. Uh, another man who made a big impact on this weekend was uh, Luke Jacobs, who in the two shows on that Saturday beat first Henry Faust in a like a hard hitting strike battle, and then later on beat Jay Joshua in uh, yeah what was a proper big lads matchup with um, Luke winning by a big lariat. So with uh, Breed Wrestling, they've rearranged their cave show. For October the 12th, and I know they're running on November the 10th as well at the Hex Arena. So yeah, go and go and check them out, and go and check their um, YouTube channel out for matches like the Romo and Maccabee match, and also um, the Big Joe um, win as well. So let's get into what's happened at uh, Progress Wrestling. Now they ran their Natural Progression series this past week. Uh, with an eight-man tournament to decide who would win the Natural Progression Series 6 and in, in, in turn get a title shot of their choosing. So we had eight competitors, which was Vite Muller, the OJMO, Malik, Danny Duggan, Gene Money, Scotty Davis, Karen Noir and Dan Maloney. So highlights from this, um, like from the first round, we had the OJMO Michael Oku beating Vite Muller uh, with a half-crab submission. We had Danny Duggan in the uh, second match beating Malik with a brain buster. Uh, we had Gene Money losing valiant, valiantly against Scotty Davis. Um, and we had the roll of the dice to get the victory there. And in the final match, we had Karen Noir winning with a chokeout against Dan Maloney. Now, as mentioned earlier, Danny Duggan, who, like, if you seen the odds on, like, a betting site, Danny Duggan would have been 50 to 1. Outsider, he'd been the Leicester City of um, of a wrestling tournament. And you know what? In the uh, second, in this second half of the show where they did the semi finals, it turned out to be, uh, yeah, very fruitful. For those who took the big odds on Mr. Duggan as he beat the OJMO in the semi finals after much help from uh, Do Not Resuscitate and um, in turn Danny Duggan 
ended up being a member of Do Not Resuscitate. So in the other semi-final, we had Scotty Davis versus Cara Noir, in which Scotty Davis won with uh, two roundhouse kicks and a German backbridge suplex to get the victory. Very good match here. I think Cara, Cara Noir, and especially like Gene Money in the uh, in the previous round, got over very well with the crowd in attendance. Uh, especially Karen Waru, you just got to see his entrance. He comes out to uh, Swan Lake, and you just see all the crowd going quiet, and it's just like building up to a big crescendo. And yeah, over light rover. We also add a six-person street fight with LAX and Eddie King- Eddie Kingston taking on the team of Chris Brooks, Jonathan Gresham. And what should have been Lucky Kid, but due to travel issues, uh, Jordan Grace uh, took his place. Uh, this was halfway through the match as uh, Jonathan Gresham's balls were in trouble. And out, out came the missus to come and save him. And in what was a very fun all-around brawl, it was the team of LAX and Eddie Kingston that won. When LAX did the street sweeper on Chris Brooks through the chairs. Yeah. Very fun match, very, very fun match. And we also had a great promo by Eddie Kingston at the end of the match as well, which you can probably catch on uh, Progress Wrestling's on-demand service. So in the final of the Natural Progression series, we had Danny Duggan. Well, certainly wasn't the crowd's favourite, and he was against Scotty Davis. Now, if you got a request to bet on this match, well, yeah... You're drawing loads of money. And we had Scotty Davis uh, getting the victory here via crossface. Um, lots of shenanigans with Do Not Resuscitate getting involved. Michael Oku getting them involved. And once they like, were clear from ringside, ended up being a banger of an atmosphere with Duggan getting many a near fall. I think it's a couple of like. Spiral tombstones on Davis, which got, you know, near three counts, which, yeah, grew the atmosphere as it went along. And, you know, for me, Scotty Davis seemed a good winner, and he naturally he needed to be against like a bad guy in the final. When he got to the semi finals, I was thinking like the last four, there's got to be a bad here, like general, like wrestling 101, you have to have a goodie against a baddie and yeah I thought Danny Duggan played his role well despite the uh, criticism he is getting online about being a robot but hey ho you can't have it all so the day after Progress took to Alexandra Palace uh, for chapter 95 still chasing now naturally the um, set, middle September show is Progress's biggest show of the year with them running Wembley Arena last year, but downscaling this year to Alexandra Palace. But they still drew a, like, a healthy crowd, and I'd probably estimated about 1,500, 1,700 there. Uh, yeah, not an empty seat in the house. Very warm in there because it was like 25 degrees outside. So for a four and a half hour show, yeah, we'd lost a few pounds by the end of it. So, let's get into what happened. So, first off, we had three-way tag team action. 
which originally was Aussie Open versus the Grizzle Young Veterans. Uh, but it turned out to be um, a freeway with Scotty Davis cashing in his natural progression series, number six title shot, and he out, out he came with Jordan Devlin as his tag team partner. And after about 15 minutes of action, it would be Devlin and Davis getting the win with um, Davis pinning, uh, not pinning, submitting Mark Davis with the crossface to get the win. Uh, very fun opener, this. And check out On Demand, uh, I think, if, if they do show it, Zach Gibson and James Drake's uh, opening match promo. Brilliant. Just brilliant. After this, we had Pete Dunne making a, a return once again, even though he'd suppose, supposedly left progress in December. But he was uh, fighting a mystery opponent, which turned out to be Cara Noir. Now, as mentioned about Cara Noir's entrance, it's just a thing to behold, and I think the setting of such like a big open arena suited this down to a T. Um, very, very good near 20-minute match. With um, Karen Noir nearly getting the victory with uh, a huge package power driver that brought the uh, crowd to its feet, but in the end, it wouldn't be so for Kara's uh, Pete Dunn. Lots in the arm and neck sleeper. In um, yeah, to get the tap out victory. At the end of the match, he put over that well, Brit Ress isn't dead. Uh, which would be a running theme during this show, as I think about three or four people got onto the mic, either to have a go at the fans for thinking that Brit Ress is dead, and or to put over that it isn't dead. We also had a bit of an NXT exhibition match, exhibition tag team match with Matt Riddle and Keith Lee versus Mustache Mountain. Uh, very much a great stitch match, this one, with... Riddle and Keith Lee doing the um, doing the honours, looking at the lights. Uh, we had a burning hammer by Trent Seven, and then a spiral tap by Tyler Bate on Big Keith Lee to get the victory here. Like I said, greatest hits match. Not much to be said about this one. We had the women's title was the main event of the first half with Mako Satamora hitting a jumping axe kick to uh, Jordan Grace um, to win the. Progress women's title. I said with this one, not a bad match, but nothing past three stars. Felt like it was just there as a matchup, but hey, you might think differently on demand. We had uh, the first time ever in progress the 30 person rumble, which was the Proteus Rumble for the newly um, for the newly um, grown title, the Proteus title. Which, if you've seen the video online, lots of fishing antics. So, in this one, to start off with, we had Paul Robinson and Ilya Dragunov to start off proceedings. And it ended up very much like Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog from all them years ago in the uh, WWF. With uh, Robinson eventually getting the victory in about 58 minutes when he uh, eliminated Danny Duggan to win the Proteus belt, and now now he's got the title, he can decide any stipulation he likes uh, going forward. So expect a lot of kickboxing matches or death matches. But, very good rumble. But, I did feel like it was a predictable result. 
We then had the main event of the evening, which was Walter versus David Starr for the Progress World Championship. Now, going into this match, obviously David Starr has never pinned Walter. So, that was the big storyline going into it. Whether or not Walter would actually, you know, do the honours for David Starr. But, when about 15 minutes originally this... Uh, probably not the best Walter David Star match you would see, if I'm being perfectly honest about it. <coughs> um, so, for the last five minutes, we had Eddie Dennis, uh, who had got a title shot. Well, he won it last year when he beat Mark Andrews in that uh, famed TLC match where nothing would break. So, he's had this title opportunity for like 12 months. He had two weeks to go before he expired, but he's probably gone on for so long because Eddie Dennis has either been injured, um, like very stop-start in progress in the last 12 months. But yeah, out he come to cash it in. And as uh, David Starr was looking off into the distance at Eddie Dennis, out out come Mark Andrews behind him in a in a black hoodie. Uh, to belt star with a chair. And then that led to uh, Eddie Dennis getting into the ring. Just to put his foot on star. One, two, three. And your new progress champion, Eddie Dennis. Uh, much to the chagrin of the audience. But yeah, interesting to see where it goes now. Uh, I do feel over this weekend that progress... Yeah, they've introduced a few new characters. Maybe going into a different direction with Eddie Dennis now. You've got Scotty Davis and Devlin as the tag champions. You've got Paul Robinson with the Proteus belt and Mako Satamura with the women's title. So, interesting to see where they go now in the uh, next three to six months before Jim Smallman goes off into the sunset of the WWE. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, next time, we will be bringing you more of the goings on from Breed, Tidal, and, yeah, what other, <laughs> any other promotions I uh, somehow stumble upon. So, yeah, until next time, this has been Going Under Graps. Goodbye. Obviously, huge thanks to Andy there and uh, Benno. I mean, let's not... I'm sure we're going to watch this progress uh, card at some point. I mean, the big (laughs) talking point from this progress show is Eddie Dennis, new progress champion. I mean, obviously, this hasn't hit VOD yet, but thoughts of Andy's report there and some other stuff you've read from uh, that main event, David Starr against Walter, with uh, Eddie Dennis being inserted into it. Just checking, mate. It is 2019, right? Not 2018. (laughs) Like, like you said, we should we should wait for the VOD. Andy sounds like he had a good time. Uh, I've heard other good live reports. Gareth, who runs Grapple, uh, had a great time at the show as well, and at the Natural Progression series the night like, before. And I've seen people very. I mean, Eddie Dennis, it's a sideways step, isn't it? From from Walter, 
I think with Walter being also NXT UK champion and there probably being no danger that Eddie Dennis is going to be NXT UK champion anytime soon, the positive is, well, you can beat Eddie Dennis. So at least there's that. Mm. But I don't know where we're pulling that as a positive when Walter clearly has to drop the, the belt in a three-way because he can't, you know, get pinned. Even in progress, which is, you know, ran by the same people as NXT UK, you have to pull these shenanigans and throw Eddie Dennis in for the belt to, to move along. Kind of says everything, isn't it, that we're pulling that as like a, a small mercy. Um, like I say, I joked at the start, but if this was a year ago, Eddie Dennis was red yeah. hot as a heel and I would be all over this. It's just the fact that, you know, obviously inju- injuries played their part. Obviously, you know, the, the Mark Andrews feud didn't end ideally at Wembley when they had their tables, uh, ladders and chairs match. And you should probably just take the word table out of that entirely because it, it wasn't. Uh, they, had, they had an absolute nightmare with the furniture. It wasn't the big end that we wanted that feud. Then they somehow made up and were baby faces against uh, do not resuscitate. Remember them? Well, they're around still. Um, that still ha- that happened and they've kind of... They went from that to kind of Eddie Dennis doing this fake leaving of progress amongst 27 other people leaving progress at the same time. And I think I always suspected maybe there was something and he might come back uh, later on. And, and here we are and he's back. And yeah, it's a it's a story and it's something different, which is what the you know people would say positive to it. But I'm not sure it's a particularly well told story. Um, and I'm not sure different is always is always good because um, yeah, we've moved from an NXT UK guy to another NXT UK guy. If I was Progress, I would probably just move entirely away from. You know, I think the temptation is going to be great to to keep using these guys in prominent positions, and obviously, you know, having the likes of Pete Dawn on the show are the reason why they sold two thousand tickets, but. But if you don't have autonomy over your own belt, especially when you're booking the other company that's not giving you that autonomy, then then what are you even playing at? Um, it's not the direction I would have went in. I do want to see it with my own eyes. Um, I you know, I have been a big fan of Heal Eddie Dennis in the past. Maybe he can talk me around with a good promo here and a, and a solid match there. Um, but yeah, certainly a surprise and a definitely, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, surprises and big moments can be, can be good. Uh, but on face value, yeah, I, I'm really, really not so sure on this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, two minds about this because it's like you noted there, Benno. The, this time last year, or maybe earlier, maybe sort of like July, August. I mean, someone like Eddie Dennis, it would have been fantastic, and you know, they're oh, certainly yeah. doing a good story there. And obviously, you know, he's had some really bad luck with injuries and what have you, but you, but. It, He's so cold as a champion, isn't he? You know, I mean, yeah. there's literally, you know, there's for me, there's no excitement about him as champion. I mean, it, it just seems like, and they're bringing Mark Andrews into it and trying to continue this storyline, but I think, like, it's it's done now, you know what I mean? And now they've fetched it back. But then, having another mind, and it's like, well, can they not do right for doing wrong? Because they are trying something different, but it's not the different mm-hmm. that I really want to see. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Jamesy. I, I would agree with pretty much everything you guys said. Um, the other concern I have about it is, is Eddie Dennis even clear to wrestle yet? Because mm. um, going by the live reports, he didn't involve himself physically in that match one bit. It was Andrews basically did the beatdown on Star, and then Dennis just pinned him by putting his foot on his chest and that was it. You know, So number one, when will he even be fit to defend the title? Number two... He hasn't, like, you've put your main title on a guy who's not even back from injury. 
what if the first time he has a match, he has a relapse of that injury and he's gone again for six months? You know what I mean? Like, and he has had a lot of injuries in the last two or three years. You know what I mean? So it's a huge risk to take. You know what I mean? Like to, to put a belt on a guy who hasn't wrestled since last March. And as far as I know, isn't allowed to wrestle for another month or two. Like that's, that's borderline lunacy. You know what I mean? Um, and like, again, the other thing that makes me so sad, like we've just talked about David Starr in OTT cutting these incredible promos, like, um, you know, building up to an amazing main event, having a great match with Scotty Davis. And he's treated, like he was basically, he, he won super, stri- super strong style 16, but basically he was in this match to be the guy to take the pin because Walter couldn't. And that's a very poor use of a guy for me who has claimed to be maybe the best all-around talent in the world at the moment. When you look at his wrestling, when you look at his promo ability, could they not be getting more out of David Starr than this? You know what I mean? Like, yes, they gave him the push and he won the big tournament. But like he won that big tournament over three days in Ali Pali and he was put in there to lie down, like to, to, to be pinned by Eddie Dennis with his foot on his chest. You know what I mean? And like that's that's a scandalous misuse to me of one of the best talents in the world. You know what I mean? And I heard people saying, well, oh, well, progress had no choice with this. You know, that they had to do something. Yes, well, they did have some kind of a choice because they didn't have to book the match this way. You know what I mean? They didn't have to book it as a one. They could have built they didn't up. Have to book a, the match full stop. They, yeah. Exactly. They didn't have to do Star Walter. They could have, like, if if they wanted to get the belt off Walter, they could have built for the whole year, built up a four way where they built up three different guys to be strong contenders for the belt and have a big four way match and then have one of them pin each other and that gets the belt off Walter. And at least it's well built and it's logical. You know what I mean? Um, this was just, it's it's like, do you know the way some people seem delighted that, that nobody thought of this and that progress had fooled everyone? But like, just because nobody thought of it doesn't mean it was a good idea. You know what I mean? And like shocking the world and doing something completely out of the blue, that's not good booking either. You know what I mean? So again, we'll have to see it. And I mean, you know, it did sound like in fairness when he came out, it got a big reaction from the crowd on the night. So I'll watch it before I'll condemn it completely. But there's a lot of things about it that I have serious issues with. You know what I mean? And it just seems like progress kind of limp from title reign to title reign and nothing sticks. And how long before they turn them face again or, you know, like they, they've gone from heel to face. Him and Mandrews have come from Dennis being the heel to Dennis and Mandrews being faces together. Now they're heels again. It just feels totally all over the place. And it's like they bent over backwards to fit this angle into the match when it didn't really make any sense in the first place. Yeah, I mean, who, who could, I mean, if he is cleared to wrestle, I mean, it, they could have Star coming back and maybe sort of like saying, oh, well, you know, I wasn't prepared for any Dennis and maybe have any minutes his first challenger. But there aren't, it, there's not many obvious challenges for uh, for any Dennis here, are there, Benno? Not based off this, uh, I almost said Wembley card then. Ali Pali card, yeah, it was Ali Pali, not Wembley this year. Like, a bit based on that and based on who was in prominent positions on the show, you know, Pete Dunby, Cara Noir, Jordan Devlin's now the tag champ. Like, who's the, who? yeah, who is the singles guy? I think, you know, we, we might, maybe the, maybe the grand plan is, you know, we're not going to put the belt on star now, but we're going to build this, you know, independent movement versus the old Defend Indie Wrestling um, t-shirt brand that, that Andrews and Dennis were were, were a part of um, and have been quite vocal in their negativity in, in real life to, to David Starr. Maybe they're trying to lean into that as a, as more of a story and maybe we do go in that direction and David Starr is on top and does eventually 
win the belt. I'll take that as a story. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Know, yeah. Difference isn't always good, but that's a different that I would say would, would be strong. Uh, but yeah, there aren't a lot of other ob- obvious options, and maybe that that says why we were, you know, fantasy us and others were fantasy booking ourselves into a storm, kind of going, well, maybe maybe Michael Oku wins the Natural Progression Series and he cashes in, and we refresh mm-hmm. progress because we were de- that desperate to find a way to to reset progress and to move the belt onto somebody fresh and to have a a, a top contender that'd be that'd be credible because there haven't been any in the in the wake of walter um so again yeah this is a way to do that but yeah i don't know how you book your way out of it unless maybe that is the, the line they're going down uh defend uh indie wrestling versus independence yeah that that could be one possible option it's certainly a an option um, but I mean, moving on to uh, something, <laughs> something that was a bit more higher on, uh, a match that was teased around WrestleMania weekend this year and that we thought we might never see uh, finally dropped on VOD this past week as Will Ospreay faced off against Amazing Red. Uh, Red, someone who seemingly retired earlier this year, was brought back for the Super J Cup tournament in California this past August. And I mean, I was one of the folks who was wondering whether Red could still go like it was 2005, and this match certainly didn't disappoint me. Tons of spectacular high-flying, as you would expect, uh, from Osprey and Amazing Red. A red-hot crowd made it made it a pretty special match, I thought. Osprey, obviously the king of 2019, uh, going against one of the best high-flyers and innovators of the early to mid-2000, and I really, really enjoyed this uh, match, Benno. Yeah, it was it was everything it should have been. Uh, it was a bit of a disappointment, being and you know somebody who wasn't in the building and having to wait for this VOD to yeah. come out. We're not we're not used to it these days, are we? Like it's kind of a rev pro a, a slacking progress is five to seven days. It's starting to look good now compared to some of these <laughs> promotions. Um, so yeah, a lot of the buzz was kind of gone. I had read reports. Maybe that's my own fault. I'd listened to podcasts about people raving about it, and I was so looking forward to the match. And I did think it was great, and they did everything you would hope they would do in the match, but maybe it wasn't quite the five-star match I'd, I'd created in my brain from all of the reviews. I'd probably go maybe four and a half, or maybe even 4.25, but it was still it was still a lot of fun. Osprey was in there. just He, he would have done anything to get Amazing Red over in this match. I mean, Red was already a hero from from when he came out, um, and, but Osprey went that extra mile, didn't he? Where he, he would have... He was landing on his head. He was bumping around like he was Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan in 2002. He was doing whatever it took to get Red's big moves over because he was just so happy to be in there with him. So it was a joy to watch from that point of view more than anything, just to see Osprey in there with one of his heroes. And yeah, Red... He's retired quite a few times. Uh, here's here we are with yet another retirement, but he can clearly still go. Uh, I can't blame him. You know, he's been wrestling a hard style for a very long time. So you know, if he if if nagging injuries have gotten to him and he does want to really step away this time, then then fair enough. But you know, if even you know here after a couple of months off, stepping in there with Osprey, I didn't think he looked rusty at all. I thought he looked great. Um, and I'd take another red run, whether it would be a, a tour in Britain or, you know, maybe maybe more stuff with New Japan or even in that, hey, that rev for British J-Cup maybe later in the year or, you know, there are other ways that maybe he could he could offer something to wrestling. So maybe the, the best thing I can hope from this match is that maybe it could have turned Red's uh, head a little bit and changed his mind a bit about how he's regarded in wrestling and, and what he could still offer. So, yeah, all in all, very, very, very fun match. What you would expect um, as a match, if maybe not the uh, the five-star classic that maybe it was uh, painted at, uh, or maybe my expectations were, were set a bit too high for. 
Yeah, I would be well up for, um, you know, Amazing Red doing a sort of like mini tour of the UK. That would be absolutely fantastic. I don't think he's been over here since like 2015 Southside. But, um, I mean, despite that, I mean, what were your thoughts on the match, Jamesy? Yeah, pretty much the same as you guys. Like, um, didn't live up to the live reports for sure. Like, I, I would probably, I think I gave it four stars, um, which is a very, very good match. It says a lot about Osprey's year that it, that that probably keeps it outside his top twenty matches of the year, which is kind of amazing to think about. Um, but like an amazing showcase for Red. Like, you know, um, it, it made me think about the genuineness of Osprey, you know, like uh, I know he gets all the criticism in the world for his social media antics and a lot of it is fully deserved. Like he's, he's said some, some quite nasty things on social media over the last few years and that kind of thing. But if you, if you take that out of it and purely from a wrestling point of view, like he's one of the most genuine people in wrestling, like, and this guy, did everything in his power to make sure that Red looked good in this match. You know what I mean? Like to the point where his bumps were almost ludicrous looking at times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he was just, you could, I've never, ne- nearly never seen a wrestler try so hard to make his opponent look good. You know what I mean? And I thought the post-match w- was really nice. You know what I mean? And that's where, you know, when it comes to purely wrestling, that's what I'm talking about, the genuineness of Osprey. Like a very genuine, heartfelt promo after the after the the match you know telling red that he can still go and there's no reason why if if he still has it in him that, that in his heart to wrestle that he couldn't and he could wrestle at a very high level um and yeah just a test you know like it it won't be in the best osprey matches of the year but when you talk about osprey like if you're making your case for him as the wrestler of the year it's a match you can point to where just his 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 genuine desire to make his opponent look good like he's one of the most generous wrestlers in the world from that point of view he has no problem like if he had his way, I'm sure he'd have lost that match to, to Amazing Red. No problem at all. Like he has no problem doing jobs to people. There's nothing political about him. He genuinely cares about pro wrestling, and he genuinely cares about his his the people that he looked up to in wrestling and that kind of thing. And that'll be my more abiding memory of that match more than anything. I think. And uh, just a couple of news items for we uh, at out of here. I mean, a couple of shows ago we discussed the formation of a UK branch of Chinese wrestling promotion <laughs> OWE. I mean, obviously. Uh, OW having links with AEW, uh, they'd announced a five-day tour of the UK <laughs> towards the end of September. Uh, we weren't quite sure what to make of it when they first announced it, but they seem to have uh, assembled quite the roster and a lot of fresh faces for the UK scene. However, they announced via their social media that the shows had been postponed, and then it all got a bit weird with OWE star Shima asking what had happened, a bevy of owners of the company all blaming each other and blaming other things, and it all became a bit of a mess with their social media accounts being deleted. I mean, uh, luckily, it seems uh, from a few reports I've seen that people are getting refunds through uh, PayPal disputes, but Benno, I mean... We were used to this sort of behaviour from a uh, Brit wrestling in the, in the mid noise, and this was definitely no different. Yeah, that's it. Between that and the Breed Show allegedly being cancelled by a promoter ringing the council. I mean, lads, should we head to Coventry? Hopefully, there's a super show on. We're back in uh, we're back in 2005, aren't we? Um, yeah, it's 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 not good, and it sometimes if if something sounds too good, it probably is. They, they didn't really have any huge names other than you know that you like Sashima and 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 just the the idea of 
flying people out as, as far as they were looking to fly them from far out east and bringing in, you know, some German names, some Irish names, some AEW names. Yeah, it did sound too good to be true, especially for a promotion that's never ran in the UK to pull this off. Uh, I have no idea how tickets were going, but I would say the Liverpool shows were supposed to be at the, the Black E, which is uh, right in Chinatown in Liverpool, which would have been ideal. Mysteriously got moved uh, to Infinite Promotions, uh, old venue Grand Central, which I would imagine is a lot of a cheaper of a venue. Um, and, and yeah, their toilets are a, are a site uh, if you want a competition on toilets. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the fact that that was all happening probably should have tipped us off that it, it was all too good to be true. And yeah, it's been the official word is it's been postponed. Uh, but as I said to people on Twitter, I would, I would probably myself personally, just by my own personal view, take that as a probable cancellation and make sure if you haven't already, you get your money back. I know if some people were struggling with getting money back from the the company, other people have been successful. But if you are struggling, definitely uh, raise that PayPal dispute and get your money back. And yeah, I'm mainly sad I won't be able to go to Chinatown, Liverpool, and have a, a bang slap up Chinese meal and then get to go see Luchasaurus uh, in my in my home city. But you know. Yeah, it's one of those things. It, it was always too good to be true. And, you know, I think even if they do come back, it's probably going to be a much more scaled down operation than what they were advertising they were going to deliver here. Yeah, I mean, normally, sort of like a few years ago, we might have been seeing a, a, a card and show announced like this, and we might be like going, oh, yeah, this is too good to be true. But because uh, sort of like before this summer, Brit Rested seemed to have got quite stable. But yeah, James yeah. has fooled on that one, didn't he? Yeah, and I feel really foolish because we we kind of were super positive about them. I think a couple of shows ago, like like their web their website was yeah. was really professional. You know, it all looked good. Like what reassured me about them was the fact that AEW talent was on it, and like the AEW logo was all over those match graphics and that kind of thing. And that made me think, kind of like if 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 a big organization like them are happy to send talent and, and you know are are involved in this even in a kind of a remote way, then surely it's got to be legit. You know what I mean? And that would be one of the things I'd be thinking about like AEW can't be too impressed about this kind of thing you know what I mean and they do have a working relationship with the the, the bigger OWE proper in China and it has to set alarm bells ringing to them for some extent that you know we've gone into business with these people we, we've allowed our talent to be booked on their shows and they've disappeared and it's kind of a little bit of a bad look by association you know like you're almost judged by who you associate with these days in wrestling and slight little kind of a stain in AEW's name as well to be associated with this thing that kind of went completely wrong you know um and like we do need to give props as well um to soul wrestling uh, i think they're london-based promotion who kind of made it known to anybody who had bought a ticket for owe that they would give them a free ticket to one of their shows that uh, i think it's in november and that kind of thing so kind of fair play to them like you always get this thing in brit rest where the genuine companies will come forward I, I think progress did a similar thing as well with the was it the star cave show or one of the other shows that they they offer people it was a star cave show yeah yeah, yeah. And like that's that's the nice thing that always comes out of these things. Like the, the good reputable promotions will kind of come forward and kind of, you know, give people a break as well and that kind of thing, you know. So that, that's the one little good thing that came out of it, I suppose. Yeah, and, like, and hopefully uh, more and more people are going to get their uh, money back from that. But, um, I mean, just the final news item before we get out of here. Uh, Session Mar- Martina was announced last week that she signed with Ring of Honor and... Um, so this came a bit out of blue for me, although I suppose it shouldn't have come as much as a surprise since they uh, signed Mark Haskins and Joe Hendry earlier this year. And um, 
So um, you've heard rumors that maybe she was looking at doing NXT UK or maybe AEW, but I suppose um, looking at those promotions, you know, Ring of Honor might not be the hottest product at the moment, but it still allows her to do OTT and um, you know, stuff in Japan and stuff, and while earning um, maybe a decent amount of money on the side. So as far as her personal choice for Martina, it seems like um, a, a perfect match for her, Jamesy. Yeah, and I listened to OTT put up a new podcast there today and she was the guest on it with Angus Oak McAnally and um, she said on it, and I think Meltzer has said the same in The Observer, that she had an offer from WWE, from NXT UK, and she had an offer from ROH. She actually got the two offers on the same day. Um, So, like, you know, we've talked a lot on here about wrestlers taking the first contract that's thrown at them and being marks for the WWE logo and that kind of thing. And, like, you have to give her credit for backing herself and, and you know, not taking the offer from WWE, like having a look at the landscape, realizing that like if she can get a kind of a, you know, I, I presume she's getting, a, you know, a steady income from ROH, that she's on a reasonably, that they seem to give reasonably good contracts to people. If she can also still do her OTT stuff where she's a big star in this country, she can still do her stardom dates, you know, which have really helped her improve as a wrestler. Like that's somebody backing themselves and saying, you know, thanks for the thanks for the tryout, WWE, but I'm going to back myself and I see a scene that's wide open for people at the moment. You know what I mean? So definitely have to give her credit for that. Mm. I suppose the downside to it is that like, you know, we've talked here a lot and we've talked on other podcasts a lot about how bad ROH is at the moment, like that MSG show being a shambles and their product never having so little buzz. ROH is bad, but like their women's division is an absolute <laughs> disaster. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah. Like the caliber of match that they put on that MSG show in the women's division was terrible. Um, what she needs to be careful of is like they they also signed Maria Manic. She's like a, a US independent talent. Um, they signed her in May. And I looked at her cage match profile today. She hasn't wrestled a match since May. As far as I know, she's not injured. So she's been signed to a contract by ROH and they just haven't used her. They haven't put her in the ring. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of, that's the downside to it. Okay, you turn down WWE like, but ROH isn't a very hot product and their women's, they, they don't treat women's wrestling very well. Like they have, to, since they brought in that women's belt, it's been a bit of a shambles. Like we talk about, we give out about progress and how they kind of book women badly and that kind of thing. Like ROH is on a totally other level to that. Like it's a complete disaster. Like, so she, on one hand, she could walk in there and probably be the best in-ring wrestler in that division. She could probably be the biggest star in that division, but also she's walking into a division that's poor and very poor. And I hope it doesn't kind of badly affect her reputation. And that would be the concern I have for her. Yeah, what a world we're talking about. Session Mark Martina being the workhorse of the Ring of Honor <laughs> women's division. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I reviewed... Post, I reviewed that Kelly Klein versus Tasha Steele's match on that Summer Sizzler show. Sorry, sorry, Summer Supercard show. Sorry, if it was Summer Sizzler, there wouldn't be a women's match in the first place. Um, (laughs) I watched that, like, uh, what that was like, that's been in my memory. It's a forgettable match, but having to review it, it's like one of the most boring matches I've ever watched. Angelina Love did the running in that match, and she was at that point, I think, the great hope for the ROH women's division. So it kind of shows you, you know, where they are when they are relying on the likes of uh, Kelly Klein and Angelina Love and Tasha Steeles and the likes of Stacey Shadows. Yeah, it's not, it's really not a, a booming in- industry, really, women's wrestling in Ring of Honor, but I do think I've got confidence, uh, 
set the match Martina. We'll walk in and get over it immediately. They probably should just throw the belt on her, um, and then hopefully she can breathe some life into it. So maybe, maybe she's seeing the weakness of that division as a bit of a positive. Yeah, it probably exactly, does yeah. mean that hopefully, if they they do use her, unlike like you say, James here, some others they've signed recently, that she could you know immediately shine. Whereas if she went to NXT UK, which is where she'd go, it wouldn't be WWE proper. Maybe they wouldn't be able to lean into the gimmick properly, and you know chances are she might not even have made tv over there so certainly i'd say still the wiser of the two moves she could have made uh but but still yeah i guess we'll uh we'll see how we're our ring of honor user going forward yeah it will be interesting to see uh how many actual shows she does for them and how much she uh does divide her time between the u.s and uh in europe so yeah all the best to her Martin there. And uh, lastly, just before we uh, get the plugs out of the way, I just want to send all the best uh, wishes to a friend of the show, Alan Cunihan, who's been in ill health recently, but uh, seems to be making a full recovery now, Jamesy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a bit of a rough time the last week or two, and he's. I think he's going to have a little bit longer in hospital. But judging by his Twitter feed, he, he's feeling an awful lot better. I think he's using the opportunity to watch as much wrestling as he can. I saw him raving about some big Japan matches there, and I saw him putting over Riptide as well and that kind of thing. Like, so yeah, just as I said, like he was very kind and generous with his time to us a few episodes ago to do that interview and that kind of thing. So just to let him know, give a shout out to him and let him know we're all pulling for him and thinking of him. Yeah. 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 And of course, uh, Post Wrestling Forum leaves all your feedback for this week's show. And uh, Benno, I mean, obviously we discussed um, the double episodes of uh, Grapple discussing the uh, Josh Bowden, Red Pro story, but uh, what else happened on uh, the past couple of weeks of Grapple? Yeah, the last couple of weeks, you can uh, check out uh, grapple.podgamebean.com. We've been talking, you know, a lot of British stuff, which is unusual for us. We kind of uh, became a, a worldwide wrestling podcast, but there's been so much, so much going on between Progress and Red Pro. We've had the uh, so much material uh, with things going wrong that that's uh, kind of been beating those two drums lately. Uh, we reviewed the uh, the big blood sports show from the from the weekend on our latest show. Got everyone caught up with New Japan. Managed to talk some old Japan, and somehow managed to talk about mid two thousand SmackDown nineties old Japan. Uh, we managed to talk about all kinds. And supermarket sweep the best game <laughs> shows uh from british daytime tv uh over the years if you want to hear on mount rushmore of british game shows i reckon that's a reason to listen so yeah grapple.podbean.com um and you can check out uh, our podcast grapple spotlight uh, over there just uh just go there and just uh, expect uh, lots and lots of badness and you'll be absolutely fine yeah, I mean, it'd be remiss of me for, with uh, Ireland's favourite son, Henry Kelly, presenting it. But James, did you ever used to watch that <laughs> shittest quiz show in the world, uh, Going for Gold? It used to be on Neighbours after, uh, after uh, at lunchtime. <laughs> I was trying to rack my brains when the when J, was the JP was talking about it. And mm. I can't, I, I, the name rings a bell, but I can't quite put put my, I just can't remember that one in particular. My one was always Countdown. I was always a big Countdown nerd. Later on in the afternoons on Channel 4 there. That was always the one that I enjoyed watching. But I'll have to look up Going for Gold on YouTube. I just can't seem to remember it. Maybe when I see it, I'll remember it, you know, that kind of a way. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird, really weird. Like a European <laughs> quiz show where they come on and it's all contestants from like France and Spain and stuff, but they're expected to talk in English. Yeah, it was just really okay. weird. As a kid, I was just like begging for CBB's channel to come on. So I was like, shite. My grandparents are forcing me to watch. 
<laughs> Good metaphor for Brexit, I'd say. I don't yeah. think you get away with that show these days. I think the nation is too divided to uh, to get behind a show like that. We prefer our rebooted supermarket sweep and uh, and catchphrase than uh, than rebooting going for gold. Uh, but yeah, my parents loved it as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, obviously, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back on the back on the 2nd of October with all the latest from the wonderfully weird world of British and European wrestling so we'll catch you then